Greatness has arrived. Welcome to episode 360 for real this time of the Trophy Room, a PlayStation podcast made by the players for the players. I'm your host, Joseph, aka Mr. Badbit, and it is here where me and my best friend Kyle talk about the latest, the greatest in all things PlayStation. Of course, this week we discuss Death Stranding 2 full reveal rumors. PlayStation doubling down to bring their games everywhere. The Pokemon with Guns game possibly coming to PlayStation 5. We sat down with legendary director Sam Barlow to discuss his game, Immortality, coming to PlayStation 5, and so much more. And you can watch it all live at youtube.com at PS Trophy Room each and every Wednesday night and on podcast services each and every Thursday. Alongside me, the greatest co-host, whoever is, whoever will be, Mr. Kyle Stevenson. How are you, sir? Well, everyone who checks, uh, who comes and hangs out in the pre-show know that I'm in a lot of pain. So if I'm a little grumpy towards Joe, it's nothing he's doing. No, it's probably warranted. Fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's probably up. You know what? Joe said it, so I'm going to ride with it. Yeah, it's it's all Joe's fault. <laughs> um, can I say your clown makeup came in? I know it did. Yeah. I'm shocked that you didn't grace me with that presence Well, today. I, I thought, let me just move this monitor. I don't even, you know what? I don't even know where it is. <laughs> I thought it was behind the monitor. It's not. Um, I, was, I was thinking about gracing your presence with the clown makeup because I lost our, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Some would say I lost um, our did. fantasy critic last year, so I had to wear clown makeup for the podcast because mm-hmm. nothing says mm-hmm. hilarity on an audio first formatted show than something visual. Um, Are you? No, no, it's a dig at both of us. It's a dig at both of us, Kyle. We're not even a minute in. It is. We're not it's even. It's not a, a dig at both of us. Because <laughs> I was going to make you put on a little cowboy hat. Does it? Ma- Listen, hold on. Okay. Peek through the curtain here, everybody. Right. Having a visual gag will only drive people to our YouTube channel. Oh no, I'm it, I'm Kyle. I'm with you. So it works, and I think it's even funnier. <laughs> like, I think there's even an extra layer of, of hilarity. Don't worry, don't worry, Kyle. Okay. It's your back. Right, it's, your back. Sure. it's your back. It's your back. It's okay. No, that that time was actually for real me. <laughs> that was not my back. But um, honestly, I, I'm trying to read the ingredients because you had to buy the worst one, I think. <laughs> like, it, it, everything looks like it's going to give me an allergic reaction and I have no allergies, sure. you know? And okay. I love that. I really do hope I break out in hives. But I think I'll save that. Do, do you want me to do it on next week's show? You, it, it's up to you. I think next week is suicide. You know what? When we do the Suicide Squad. <laughs> okay. You know? I think that sure. would only make sense. I could be like, we're uh, talking about the Joker, you know, and stuff like that or whatever. I don't know. Fair. Fair. Yeah, fair That's enough. fine. That's totally fine. Kyle, I got a question for you. Yeah. Do you have voicemail anxiety? I just have phone anxiety. So, like, if, like, someone, like, your family's like... Kyle, can you order us a pizza? You're like, nah, I'd rather not. No, that's fine. If I'm the one initiating, uh-huh. like if I'm calling to order food, I'm totally fine. Okay. If I'm calling to make like a doctor's appointment or anything, totally fine. For me, it's when people call me 
Oh, okay. Or if I am like on, if I'm on the phone with a friend, I would much rather do that conversation over text or like this. Right. Okay. I I have I have a big thing where, for me to feel comfortable in a social, communicating way, yeah. I need to see the person. Fair. Okay. I ha- and, and even with like FaceTime, FaceTime still doesn't always do it because. I also are like this room is a mess, right? It, <laughs> and so I'm thinking me about what finding the angles so it's not like you're calling the the local government to yeah. kick me out yeah. and I'll show up on hoarders. It's not that bad, <laughs> but as an example, <laughs> yeah. For me, I it's when so I hate the responsibility of like I have to order a thing because then sure. the, that's that's pressure, uh, and mm-hmm. I I like to I like to hand it over to my brother, but he I don't know if he purposely sucks at it. But like he just gets everything wrong, and so ah. it's like it's a has, it's like with great responsibility, all that jazz. Sure. Um, yeah. But I hate I hate voicemails. I suck at it. Um, genuinely, I like I, leaving or setting like a leaving, voicemail message. Leaving a message okay. of any kind via voicemail. Because um, uh-huh. I, I, I my my boss wanted to talk to me, and you know I was just like you know. I, I, I hit her voicemail and I'm giving her the message and I'm like, Joe, you're nailing it so far. And I go, yeah, and I'll be at work at, you know, uh, X to X time. But, you know, uh-huh. you can still call me. And then I said, for some reason, as long as it's work related. <laughs> oh. And that one All line right. haunted me because I'm like, why wouldn't she call me any other time? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, let, that's hung let up me- on me all <laughs> Oh, for the last forty-eight hours, it's haunted me. Okay, let me let me ease your. Um, oh, I got a worse one. Anxiety with that one. Right. It's not phone related. Uh, my first date ever in high school. Ooh, okay, first date I ever went on. It was me and a girl I was taking a prom, which I didn't fully want to take her. It's a long story. Okay, fair enough. It was a mess. After show, but she also what was that? That's for the after show. Patreon.com slash. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. She came to pick me up because I didn't have my license yet. All right, fair enough. <clears throat> and in the car with her were like four of her girlfriends. Okay. Yeah. And we went to go see a movie. And it was the five of them and me. <laughs> so it was a little bit awkward. Yeah. But then when she dropped me off, like gave her a hug, whatever, and she says something like, um, oh, we should do it again sometime. And my answer before I opened the door goes, yep, well, there you go. And I opened the door and I went inside. <laughs> That haunts me Fair. every yeah. morning, <laughs> every night <laughs> when yeah. I think about it. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, I got I got hung up on the us one time of like, uh, like calling a job back for an interview. It wasn't a job I wanted. Thank thank goodness. But I was just like, uh, uh, fuck it. <laughs> I just hung up the phone. <laughs> That's fair. Well, That's I screwed fair. this up. <laughs> It was real bad. I face planted. And it just got me thinking. It's like, we host a podcast. Thousands of people don't know why, but y'all listen. Thank you. Very appreciated. Love you all very much. Um, And this is easy for me. And I like doing this. I like, Mm -hmm. you know, dozens of of, of people watch us as we do it live, which is is wild. And that's fine. But like. Yeah. Sunny in chat right now saying couple lady killers here. (laughs) Damn straight, Sunny. Thank you. Yeah, just ask ask your wife. Anyway, um, oh, oh, but yeah, like for me, it's like a voicemail, crippling anxiety, crippling. Can't do it. Yeah, it's not, it's not too bad. Mm-mm, no, 
I, so, sometimes I will make it go a little bit longer than it has to because mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I'll repeat the same info like two times. Oh, yeah, I always, I think that's normal. But though. then again, like, everyone does it. Yeah, yeah, like, everyone does it. So it's like, whatever. Fair. Fair. Voicemail's stupid anyway. Exactly. It's a that, dead technology. That wasn't a thing. Just, right? Like, when yeah, just text our parents were growing up, yeah. but even like our parents were growing up, if they called and no one picked up, that's fine. That's Try again. You don't get to leave a message. Yeah. And remember, some our, some of our parents have the rotary phone. Yeah. You know? And some kids are yeah, like, a what's a rotary? Notepad rotary next rotary to the phone. Yeah, exactly. To write Yellow down notes. Or whatever. Yellow pages. Yeah. Hey, you can know. Jimmy come out and play? No, Jimmy's not home. Exactly. He has homework to do. And then mom hung, hangs up. Yeah. Like, well, Jesus. Yeah. Dial up, for Christ's sakes. Yeah. Can't go on the internet and call somebody when someone's on the yeah. internet. It's wild. Remember when they had an internet, internet for kids? AOL kids? Yeah. Yeah, remember when AOL would send millions of hours to every household yep. for free every year because that's how the internet works? Yep. 500 free hours of the internet. <laughs> Whoa. And then they Whoa. realize they're like, this is communism. We got to stop this. We got to find a way to Netscape this and charge you. <laughs> All right, Kyle, listen, we got a lot of PlayStation goodness to talk about. We have our interview with Sam Barlow, uh, 48 minutes long of him just being a gosh dang genius and us absorbing all of it. I can't wait for y'all to listen to it because he is a damn genius. Uh, and, you know, maybe you get a little tidbits of uh, some of the games that he's working on. Who knows? So tune in. All right. Before we get into that, a little bit of housekeeping, of course. Head on over to the Trophy Room store. We got merch, baby. And the Buy the Players community show. This month, we are talking all about Final Fantasy VII Remake, and if I'm not mistaken, we are having that conversation on February 17th at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So come hang out. We're going to be talking all about Final Fantasy VII Remake to get us hype for Rebirth, and I'll be there. And since I've already played Remake and have fond memories, I'm playing Final Fantasy VII the original for the first time ever. Remember, as a kid, I was a platforming boy. I was never an RPG kid. So this is this is a very transformative game, even for me, a 32-year-old boy, you know? So come check us out there. Uh, go reach out to Drellish and Marcus O'Neill over at our Discord server, of which we have and which you should join because every week we ask y'all for questions. You get to join 400 plus uh, awesome folks in this community chatting games, being kind to one another. And maybe you get to play some games this weekend with each other. Who knows? Who knows? All right. And of course, before we start this show, it's time for our Patreon pitch. Like we say each and every week, if we ever got you through a long car ride, a tough day at work, whatever your situation may be, it really does help us out if you toss us even a dollar our way over at patreon.com slash PS Trophy Room. Even if it's just a one-time thing, just going, hey, here's a tip for the tip jar. You guys do great work. It really does help us out. We were just hit with a pod bean uh, license to keep our show on them feeds so it really does help us out it goes straight back to the show it's the reason why we look so good sounds so great your generosity just like our newest member samuel nestling who became a gold member thank you so much i want to thank our premium members todd burowitz and toxic 
I want to thank our Platinum members, Jay Shape, Jedi Master Ren, Cowboy Danger D, Jonas Young, The Green Gorilla Gamer, Chaotic Monkey, Yuko Kill 90, Steven Flush, Strubles and Bits, Bertos Maximos, Chris Hybrid 748, Matt Valdez, Chris the Wizard, Solo, Liam Russ, Silkanet, Decimine, Jadus Vaughn Metal, Mitchell Grambling, Liam Rust, and Randy Hail, I want to thank our gold members, Cypher Primus, Dot Simon the Pie Man, Jesse Garcia, JB the Purple Monkey, Hide Indoors, Katie, Kevin Mitchell, Kevin Diaz, Marcus O'Neill, Red Arrow, Aegis Hermit, Andrezor, Astronaut Jr., Winter Gamer, Robbie Bobby Miller, Brenton Zachary, Captain Logan, Final Fan XZ, Hambone, JD Dillinger, Stone Cold, E.T., Tino Sixpeed, and Johnson, Sean McKenzie, Rick Arrington, Spam and Bamman, Matthew King, Duh Overlord, Dewane Raksha, Drellish, Rick Davis, and Lord Commander Suddy. Thank you all so much for your generosity. And now, Kyle, it is finally time to square up the news. First bit of news that needs to be squared up comes from Zarmina Khan over at PS Lifestyle. Zarmina writes, PlayStation committed to bringing games to PC, mobile, and cloud. Sony Group CEO and Chair Kenichiro Yoshida has reiterated that the company's PlayStation division is committed to bringing games to PC, mobile, and cloud platforms. Yoshida reaffirmed this commitment in a November 2023 talk with Norge's Bank Investment Management, which surfaced online and, stated, and started making rounds this week. Sony has stood by its policy of not releasing PlayStation first-party games on other platforms day and date with its consoles. But Yoshida has said that the future of PlayStation will be quote-unquote ubiquitous. Wherever there is computing, users will be able to play their favorite games seamlessly, Yoshida said via Insider Gaming. Why PlayStation will remain our core product is we will expand our gaming experiences to PC, mobile, and cloud, end quote. Sony has set up a mobile gaming division within PlayStation, but it has yet to take off. It's unclear if the company will change its stance on PC releases, but it has already made strides on the cloud gaming front. Currently available to PS Plus premium subscribers in select regions, PS5's cloud streaming service has garnered positive reviews, with players noting that it works almost flawlessly and supports a large catalog of games. Now, Kyle, the leak talked about expanding PlayStation Plus to more platforms. Um, and when we talk about the leaks, sorry, it's the Insomniacs, uh, Insomniac hacks revealed that they want to bring this to more platforms because they see the ceiling with PlayStation. Uh, it's 47 million. They know that they are quite surprised with extra. They are even more surprised of how well premium is doing and want to incentivize more people to use uh, what premium has to offer. So, you know, I feel like every time we talk about PlayStation expanding, you guys, you guys know what we are. We think we don't particularly care because every time we we talk about it, you know, we talk about talk it. We always yourself. have to bring I've up. I've gone through eight computer monitors. Every time <laughs> we talk about it, I punch a hole through it. How dare they? So yeah, you flip your table, you break your room. Yeah, no. Yeah. I'm in so much debt just to repair things week to week. The Patreon money just goes to the holes in the wall. All, you keep making. Happens. Exactly. Huh. How dare PlayStation games play on a keyboard and mouse? But I want to I wanna put in a question from Bertos Maximus, who writes in, just like you can too, if you join the Discord server or, you know, you add us at PS Trophy Room on X. 
Only kidding, it's Twitter. Uh, Bertos writes in, I've just got one question for y'all, and it's a doozy. What do you want to see? Oops, sorry. I put the wrong questions here. Ah, there you go. Okay. Here you go. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. My tainted brain writes in, Bertos, you come later. Uh, I suppose a question about games going exclusive on a platform subscription. Do you think this would affect sales on other platforms when the exclusivity has finished? For me, I was hyped behind Immortality has disappeared, where I was once interested, but then frustrated because of the exclusivity. Now I'm apathetic. And the reason why I go this, I throw this to you is like, every time a PlayStation game comes on to PC or lands on Steam, we always talk about how many people, what are the concurrent numbers of folks playing this game? And we kind of, you know, we, we talk about like, oh, it's only 60,000 for The Last of Us. It's so prestigious. Oh, only like 80,000 for God of War. It's God of War. So I want to know, Kyle, do you think that PlayStation's delivery of PC games needs to change? Do you think it will change? And when do you think we're going to start seeing PlayStation first-party games that are not multiplayer land day and date onto PC? Do you think that that's, that's the possibility? Um, to answer the first part of the question, I don't feel that kind of hesitancy when games come to PC right. just because like, which I think is what your first part of your question was. Yeah, it was. Um, just because like as a PlayStation person in the, the ecosystem already, I'm going to play a day one on my PlayStation. Right. So it doesn't bug me when a game comes to PC and I'm not rushing out to buy it just because this isn't where I want to play my games. So it's, I don't think that's like a question I can like accurately answer uh, for that one. But like on the flip side of where um, Tainted Brain was talking about like immortality hype, I get that because it has happened to me in the past. So I've used that example before of like when Rise of the Tomb Raider was on Xbox for a full year right. before it came to PlayStation. Um, that killed all the hype I had for it. And I love the first Tomb Raider. And then for me waiting another additional year, other games came out and just got buried. It took me another two, three years to play it. Mm. So like, it's a little different now because the games that I'm excited to play on my PlayStation that haven't been out there yet are indies. Right. And I'm, I'm okay with waiting for those because those are already as much as I hate it, a niche thing. And so like those things, excuse me, those things won't get spoiled for me. Like major big games out there. Yeah which I feel would be, which is harder to avoid unless you're Green Gorilla when it comes to Last of Us Part 2. <laughs> so, like, I'm excited when indie comes to PlayStation later because I finally get to play it in the way I want to. But when it comes to, like, PlayStation games day and date on PC, when we'll see that? I'll never say never, but I don't think it's going to be for, like, maybe around PlayStation 6 time. Yeah. Like, that's the only... that. I don't think it's anytime soon. Yeah, I think the box is still important. I think cloud is going to be important as well. And I think PC and definitely mobile 
is going to be very important to PlayStation, but I don't think you're going to see them day and date anytime soon as like they've made their case. PlayStation is still the bread butter, bread and butter of, of what Sony does. So like it is the, you know, the, 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 the biggest pillar of what they see the future of PlayStation being. So I don't think that exclusivity is going, you know, is, is going to change. I think it's going to move though. Because I think you're right. There is part of me, and I I wish we could have asked Sam this, but like a part of me that when I see a game that was once on Xbox come to PlayStation, um, you know, there's few and far between, few examples where it kind of gets me going. Oh, I'm really excited to to play this game because part of it's like it's old, <laughs> right? Like in my in my consumer mind, it's like oh, I I know I could get that on sale I mean, right now, and you're charging you're famously me famously said. Old games are old. Right. So I'm yeah. like, that's where part of my brain is. It's like, okay, well, this game's already been on sale. I'll just wait till it's on sale again here. And I wonder if that is a big a big metric or something that Sony isn't too, you know, scared of, if that makes any sense. But I do definitely see the, you know, the exclusivity window shrink over time, especially as they build the PC, you know, uh, portfolio that they have. I think it has to. That said, I want to know, Kyle, what does mobile look like in the PlayStation ecosystem? As we've seen so much shifting over at Savage Games and and (laughs) what seems like the trouble that they've had launching the mobile division. Where do you think PlayStation is going to go there? What would you want to see? From PlayStation on mobile. Something? <laughs> Just, yeah. and, and, like, that is a jab for sure. Just because, like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what their vision is. Right. Like, what kind of mobile, like, how, at what level are, are they in on mobile? Right? Like, when we see, we'll get into it, but, like, Kojima's Death Stranding is coming to phones very soon. For twenty bucks, by uh, the way. Yeah, but like, uh, are is PlayStation looking to get like that level of game on a mobile front? Right. Or is it more like the mobile games that we all kind of scoff at, like the endless runners, the match threes, just with the PlayStation skin on it? I need to see the one mobile game to get a sense of like what their plans are for that division, because right. because that will then base my excitement on it. Yeah, because like, and also, will the mobile games? Can I? play them on portal right like uh, like there are so many like can i buy it on my playstation 5 and be able to play it on my portal right uh which is will never happen but I mean, <laughs> never say nice. never you're playing playstation 1 games on yeah i just 5. i just need to see the first trailer the plan i need something before i'm like all in or boo this is stupid right this could be like the uncharted card game or you know marvel snap yes. which is great or one of the Nintendo ones, which are fun, right? But they're almost like a flash in the pan. Yeah. They just come out and then they're people fall off dramatically, unless it's Pokemon Go. Yeah, that's the only only one really. And that's the, yeah, unless it's like a weird AR game, which yeah, we've seen so many of those now. So to me, yeah, when it comes to like the mobile front, I would really like it to see like yeah, this is you're you're playing Last of Us on your iPhone, like you're playing you know God of War on your Android tablet. I want to see that. 
And I think if you offer those games at a reasonable pro- reasonable price on mobile, and I mean these are like you know years on out, like I could see people double dipping if 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 the like price point is great. Again, like you could get Death Stranding right now for twenty bucks on iOS, um, and and a super cool Death Stranding themed backbone too. Exactly, and like that's like a super sale. It's like hey, hop on right now, or else it's gonna jump back up to like forty fifty, which I think is the right call. So I I could see them kind of doing what similar of what they do with PC games right now. Mm-hmm. but on a mobile scale. Yeah. So can it brings up another g- good game Please. or just a developer that's doing good things just because they're not in our wheelhouses, but Genshin and Honkai Star Rail. Exactly. Like me, Yoho are, have like a grasp on what kind of bigger mobile games, how they work. So if PlayStation can figure out how to do that and PlayStationify it. Sure. Yeah. Maybe not all the gotcha mechanics, but I don't know, something in that vein. I mean, what if the the Horizon MMO is on mobile? I mean, that'd be a big get. It'd be a big, like, starting point. Right. So that's, I want to know, I think a lot of this is often met with, like, oh, people are very, like, apprehensive. They're scared or they're angry because it's leaving their plastic thing. But to us, I think it's more... I'm going to wait to judge it because I I genuinely don't know. I think, though, when it comes to PC, when it comes to the cloud, I think you're going to see them try to expand that PlayStation Plus, you know, whether it's extra, whether it's a premium onto the PC, like lend some type of olive branch uh, to that platform. Because, I I mean, we know PlayStation wants to put that on PC. I think we're going to get a PlayStation-like, you know, app on 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 a steve what is what is the xbox pc game pass called is it just bc it's pc i think it's just called pc game pass and the problem there too when you're expanding and i think it's probably one of the problems with playstation is like you're trying to expand all at once where maybe one at a time is the better way about it like from what i understand pc game pass's app is awful and it's not very great. It's not very intuitive. It crashes all that stuff. So I, you know, we're seeing PlayStation struggle in certain aspects of like mobile, uh, a little bit on the PC front, depending on the port. I want them to have a smoother go at this. So you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I just don't know what we're looking at, which means yeah. I'm not going to be shouting from the rooftops. I do want to say though. I mean, this is Microsoft's playbook. Mm-hmm. PlayStation's going about it something similar. So it's going to be sure. really interesting to see how PlayStation does this. And again, I think waiting yeah. and seeing is going to be a much smarter move than what I see on social media a lot, which is like people reacting without, you know, armchair quarterbacking. I'm not going to, I'm not yeah. going to do that here. There, there, there's no way the next Uncharted game is only coming to PC. Right. They, calm down, everybody. Exactly. <laughs> There's, exactly. That whoever the new CEO is, they they know. Yeah. You can find someone on the street, and they and they'll even say it like you know that's a bad idea. Because I do think at the end of the day, it is important to cater to your PlayStation fans, the people that put you yes. on on yeah you know on the market and made you successful. And at the same exact time, it's also you know an imperative for you to grow your business elsewhere, because who knows what the future holds? Yeah. 
Agreed. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Let's let's talk about some leaks. Let's talk about some rumors. Let's talk about let's talk about some happenstance, you know? Oh. The happening starring Mark Wahlberg? That's right. <sighs> what a movie. Go go watch that one. Right. It's, a, it's a fun time and a dumb I'm never going to trust a tree, you believe? <laughs> no. <laughs> Tom Ivan over at VGC writes, Death Stranding 2's full title may have leaked ahead of an imminent reveal. Highly reliable data miner Bill Bill Kuhn claims that the game is called Death Stranding 2 on the beach. According to the leaker, fans shouldn't have to wait long to receive official confirmation as a new reveal for the game is said to be imminent. While they couldn't provide an exact date for the product announcement, they estimate it will be made within the next 15 days. It's also speculated that the reveal could take place during an unannounced PlayStation State of Play presentation. Death Stranding 2 was announced in December 2022 with a revealed trailer at the Game Awards. The trailer for the sequel, which will be published by Sony for PS5, stars Leah Saidu, who played the character Fragile. Fragile? Or what was it? Fragile, not fragile? I mean, I always... Is that what she says in the game? I think she has a line in the game that says, I'm fragile, not fragile. Oh. I think. Right. Uh, I, could, I could be making that up. <laughs> in the first game. It also confirms that Norman Reedus will be returning and notes that Troy Baker will star too. Sony published Death Stranding for PS4 in November 2019, and 505 released it for PC in July 2020. A director's cut hit PS5 in 2021 and PC the following year. The game has been played by 16 million people across all platforms, including subscription services like PlayStation Plus and PC Game Pass, according to Kojima Productions. The company announced last month that it teamed up or it has teamed up with A24 to bring a live action film adaptation of Death Stranding to the big screen. A24 is the film distribution and production company behind movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once, Talk to Me, Uncut Gems, Midsommar, Lady Bird and Moonlight. Quote, the film promises to delve into the mysterious or into the mysteries surrounding the apocalyptic event called the Death Stranding, which blurred the lines between life and death and brought forth nightmarish creatures into a world on the brink of collapse, end quote, said Kojima Productions. And in an update, Until Dawn, the PS4 horror classic from Supermassive Games that's set to be turned into a movie, will reportedly also be getting new versions for PS5 and PC. The suggestion comes from Bill Bill Coon, a reliable PS Plus leaker, who claimed only yesterday that Death Stranding 2 will sport the subtitle on the beach. The leaker claims the new versions of Until Dawn will be announced within the next two weeks, just like the Kojima production sequel. Ooh-wee, so two leaks from two... For, well, from the same source, two days apart. Kyle? Joe? What are your thoughts on this? You believe this man? Believe this person? Believe this fella? I would like to, but also I'm, you know, blame blame what my neck and back are doing to me in this moment. <laughs> Making your grouchy boy. I am leaning on, like... I would rather not this Bill Bill Coon just say anything. I want to be surprised in the moment. Like, I, I feel we're at that case. I know we're on different sides here. It's fine. I realize there's some people that do, need to do this for their jobs, which is fine. I just, I'd rather go surprised right. in the moment. Like, if I know everything that's coming soon, like, that that kind of air of mystery is what I really enjoy about game announcements. Yeah. So that's a bummer, but I I think two weeks is a good time frame. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's a little after Suicide Squad comes out, which is a little strange. Um, unless it's next week, like the week of Suicide Squad. Don't quote me on anything. Don't quote I mean, me, they... Bill Bilkoon. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they already had a state of play for themselves, but yeah, Hell Divers. One would assume. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that mm-hmm. comes out on February eighth. Um, I okay. I do think you see a state of play before Hell Divers. I think Hell Divers gets one last push. Um, I don't. I think you get both these games. I think. PlayStation is going to be wheeling out both of these to you by saying, hey, this is what you could probably get excited for this year, maybe early next year, but they really got to start showing you the roadmap of stuff to get excited. Now, this year is going to be slower, and you're seeing more remasters being pumped out by them, and I think Until Dawn just makes sense because this is... I mean, something that's going to be a movie property for them in the next, you know, year to two years. So it does make sense for Until Dawn to have the remaster treatment. And if I'm completely honest, I think it needs it graphically. And I remember playing that with my yeah. girlfriend back in November, and it was looking a little rough. So I can understand why. If they could, if they could update the facial animations exactly. in Until Dawn in this remaster, whatever it is, game changer. Yeah. Because some of those are not great. And again product of its time mm-hmm. i don't hold it against it but yeah it's gotten better since that game came out like that technology yeah and so burgos maximus writes in now see oh like i teased you in the beginning now you're here i got one question for you and it's a doozy what do you think or what do you both want to see in a death stranding 2 and what was your favorite thing about the first one that you would like to see in the second as always stay safe and keep on bringing that brilliant content i really don't know where i would want or sorry where i would be without it much love your friend from across the pond and hashtag of course house slinger for the win thank you so much Britos. bring bring a class well, you know what? i'm podcast. not gonna bring brilliant content for that hashtag comment you know i'm gonna <laughs> dumb it down real 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 big now. yeah yeah see like i just did i just talked like a caveman for no reason <laughs> ay, ay, ay. what do you want to see out of uh, death stranding too man Death Stranding 1 is phenomenal. Yeah. I'll die in the cell. I'll fight you. I really streets. enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, never thought I would love like a walking simulator as much as I did. Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing is like, is vibe a bad answer? No. I like the vibe of Death Stranding. I love the music yeah. that Kojima used. I think that just elevates the whole. It's similar to how, like, Alan Wake 2, at the end of a chapter, you get, like, a little music yeah. during the credits. It's like walking from major place to major place. You get this beautiful music as you're just traversing the mm-hmm. landscape. And it does – there's, like, no loading or anything. It's just, like, here, go. Find your way. Yep. And it, it's just really, really beautiful. So if you can nail that while, I think, updating what I think is the weakest point in the combat, if you update that and make that feel a little bit less obtuse as Destroying One was in my eyes, yeah. I'm in. Give me great characters, great performances, setting and everything. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more horror too, like the BT stuff. Oh my god, yes. Go real like we just saw Alan Wake too, right? Well, like the shadows. Mm-hmm. Imagine that in just BT form, and they're even more terrifying when they pop out of nowhere. Fair enough, fair enough. That'd and if cool. you hear the little baby crying in the back, you know what's up. Um 
It's Congrats on being a father. That's great. I mean, I practically am at this point. She don't let me <laughs> sleep for nothing. Um, yeah. Those doggy classes, they can't come soon enough, let me tell you. Uh, what I want to see, I think it's kind of similar than, than what you want to see. I want to see expansion of combat because I feel like one of my problems with the first game wasn't that combat was there or not there. It was just inconsistent. And what I mean by that was like... it. In the beginning, it was all about just constructing. And then it seemed like at like chapter, was it like nine or 10? It's just like, oh yeah, and now this is like boss fight. It's all boss fights now. And I'm like, what? when did yeah. this happen? Or those guys that are trying to capture you right. or whatever or steal things from. Exactly. So it I just came out of nowhere. I would want more of a, um, a depth of combat. So like, I know there was like, you know, um, weapons that tie people up instead of killing them. Right, and I love that that concept of like, hey, if you kill someone, they turn into a BT, that type of stuff. That's awesome. I would love to see an expansion of that. Your choices and your your the way you want to play the game changes uh, the world around you, akin to like a Dishonored. That would really excite me. Um, an expansion of the BT content as well. I think. Also, just really quickly, yeah. want to hop in. I didn't play director's cut, so I don't know if they that got added in. Sure, sure. Or like some sort of updates there. I have no idea. So before the comments yell at us, just want to put that out there. I did not play the director's cut stuff. We yet. played OG. Yeah, I forget what. I mean, director's cut was also like an expansion of like the cooperative. Yeah, there element. was like I remember the trailer too being like some Here's Metal right. Gear stuff. Like there's a base. Yeah. I think uh, Sam was going through. Yeah, so I I think yeah, adding a little bit more of that horror element with more cooperative elements as well. Like I don't, this is probably the first game where I don't want like you know uh, couch co op. I don't want to see another person. I think that what's important is like when they leave stuff behind for you. That's what I want to see an expansion of. So yeah. you know, just more of his crazy wacky ideas is really what it comes yeah. down to. Because I really really yeah. enjoy that game. Yep. That said, here here's an until dawn question for you, Kyle. Are you ready? Comes from my favorite name here. Poopy Pants MD. A doctor. Okay? I think. Right, MD? That's a doctor. <laughs> yeah, it's a doctor. Right. He's poop well, poopy pants. Listen, don't laugh at the poopy pants legacy. No, I'm just I'm not I'm not laughing at the legacy. I'm laughing at the image I have in my head of <laughs> You're 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 very sick, right? You go to the doctor's office. The doctor comes in, takes your vitals, talks to you about a plan to help you, right. whatever you got going on. Got the flu. And as as this doctor turns to leave, it's just a brown streak on his <laughs> white coat. And, <laughs> and then you get the script, and it says prescribed from poopy pants, MD. It's like, actually okay, legible. Is it literally? Is it just like an emoji of a poop? Yeah. Is that what his signature is? Yeah. And you're like, like, that's why I'm laughing. You're like, I I know like COVID usually takes away your sense of smell but like it smells like shit <laughs> but but then like he he or she turns it on you yeah and they're like oh no i'm sorry you're saying completely wrong it's poopay ponds it's it's not what you think yeah. it is it's so french. get your head out of the gutter yeah it's french yeah, yeah. well maybe you change your name okay it's like target or target yeah, target some fancy people like to say so when, when, when my great great grandpa landed on ellis island he thought the, uh, <laughs> the the little accent mark would get in the way of an opportunity. Jeez. <clears throat> anyway, I'm kind of baffled about Until Dawn. Was it that popular? Yes. Oh, it was so good. Yeah, it's, uh, I remember. I remember when Until Dawn came out. 
and there was actually not enough physical copies for yeah. people to to get because yep. even PlayStation was surprised at how popular and how well this game sold. So when this when they're saying, "Hey, this is gonna re- be a remaster because we're making a movie," yeah, yep. this game's gonna do well, and this yeah. is what what really put Supermassive on the map in a big way too. So mm-hmm. until dawn. I'm I'm very curious of who's doing the port to it, but yeah, it, yeah. It, uh, also, don't quote me on this, but I think when it came out, and I'm probably wrong, but I, yeah, my memory just I say think with I'm confidence. Right. Um, it's one of the first games I feel had like play it with stream, like your chat, and they have like an impact on some choices, or they can vote on yeah. some things. Like there was a streamer mode, I think. I think it was a big deal for Until Dawn. Um, and I just remember a lot of streamers streaming it and YouTube YouTubers playing it mm-hmm. because it was just it was just fun. Yeah, it was a good campy horror time. Like it doesn't take itself too seriously. I don't think it is. It's kind of what you want from a horror popcorn horror flick. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it really was that popular. And now that said, M9 Prime writes it. We don't really know what Sony has in store for us this year. And with the upcoming possible state of play, what studios would you like to see your formation from? And what would you consider to be a good surprise at the state of play? So Kyle, I kind of want to re-engineer this question and go in reverse. Ready? We're going to back okay. up. Okay. What would you consider to be a good surprise at a state of play in February? What what would that surprise? So be? a February level mm-hmm. reveal or like what I want? I think. Or are they one and the same? I think they're one and the same because to okay. me, I think it's all about expectations. I think a lot sure. of people like to get their expectations a little bit out of proportion when it comes to like well, state mine, of place. Mine is out of proportion. All right, fair enough. Because <laughs> I I think one of the first state of plays was around a February. And it ended with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Okay. And we got like an actual trailer for the first time. So it wouldn't be, wouldn't be totally out there. But I'm going to give a visual clue. All right. And you're, let's see if you can figure it out. Audio listeners, I'm sorry. Joe, yeah. we'll talk it out. All right. We'll talk okay, about you ready? It's a dual sense. And he's pointing. What color is the dual sense? Blue. Oh, blue point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what I want. I think that's. There is so much uncertainty and so many rumors and so many different projects that we want to see them tackle. Like they even mentioned it. It wasn't last holiday season. I think it was 2022 holiday season where they, they tweeted out and they listed like 15 different franchises. It could be like little hints at each one. I just want to know because I'm ready for another blue point remake masterpiece of whatever it is okay or if it's something brand new i'd be totally fine if it's brand new just like blue point makes great games wow okay um interesting because for me i'm i'm thinking like hmm. these are the two big announcements <laughs> I, I oh why that's why i asked the, right. the leading questions of like because to me, level? I feel like we always get our, our expectations out of whack, especially right now where like Sony is being very cagey about what they're showing us for whatever reason. Um, it's even a mystery to the folks that usually know this stuff. So to me, I'm the question is, what do you have in store for me for 2024? 
that needs to be answered in in this state of play. Um, and so I think, to me, this makes sense. Death Stranding 2 in 2024. Kojima usually has worked pretty fast on things, even now with the current development cycles the way they are. I think it is time we see Death Stranding 2 fully, and it's in 2024. Um, until Dawn, I think that makes sense that we have a remaster come out I don't know, sometime in the spring to summer, right? And then I think we see one more. And Yeah, let let me let me bring expectations down from the blue point. Okay. I think maybe we take a look at Concord. Right. Or or what was the other one? Fair games? Fair games, yeah. One of those two. Cause all we got was the CG trailer. Right. And if you want us to get excited and like see that being in the plan for this year, one of the two, show it off a little bit. Yeah. Other than here's a 30 second trailer that's all CG that doesn't give us a whole lot of info. Or even just give us a CG trailer that gives us info. <laughs> almost. Either anything. way. Almost. Hey, anything. PlayStation, talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what needs to be answered. I need to see what Stellar Blade looks like, right? Give me more Rise of the Ronin. I think this needs to be. A state of play that has more substance to it um and i think yeah it needs to be and and capped with final fantasy 7 that's the thing that's going to bring it home but even then i'm like is that a lot of expectation you know for place i don't know i don't know it's very weird the way that they are not communicating even even in playstation standards it's getting really weird and I do have the sense in the room, it's palpable, that we're all getting fed up with the silence. We need to start getting getting talked to, man, because <laughs> it's it's getting pretty gosh darn annoying. Yeah, because you say what 2024 looks like. Yeah. I just, I'm okay at this point in time. Give us a little future things that isn't Wolverine. Right. Because outside of that, what is PlayStation Studios working on right now? Well, you know, Am be- I missing a, a, a first party game? From a sucker punch or from a naughty dog what if or we from see, a Alright, let me give you let me give you a little something, okay? Give yeah. you a little shirt. What if we see beep boop beep Over. borp? <laughs> okay, so Joe just mimed a he had AirPods, it was like a comet crashing into the the, the earth. And then as you all heard, beep boop beep boop as a robot. Yeah. Some would say bot for short. Oh, Astrobot? Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, is that a reach? Astro Well, I thought Comet. I didn't think Astro. Um Asteroid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Astrobot wouldn't be a bad guess. Yeah. But but that's the thing. There's so many studios. And we know Wolverine. And and uh Silkana in chat also said like Bungie's marathon. Like, that's well, that ain't this year. Pretty much it. No, I know, but like, as far as like, first party studios, quote unquote, that's pretty much it. Right. And again, I I don't think this is littered with first party stuff. So I don't either. But I, it's just a whole notion of like, tell us what the roadmap is because right. we're getting impatient. We are, and I think we're getting rightfully impatient as well. You know. Um. But yeah, I think yeah. I think listen, this year is going to be littered with remasters. And I think this Astrobot would make sense. I think Until Dawn mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, um, yeah. Another one, Silent Hill 2. 
so, remake. Again, a lot of partnered stuff. So yeah, mm-hmm. it depends. It really does. Uh, there's a lot of expectations. I'm still trying to be tempered, but I, I don't know. I, I, I want to be excited for a state of play. I really do. Yeah. All right, yeah. Kyle, let's talk about this next one, which took the world by storm. And so many people got angry without evidence. <laughs> I have thoughts. James, uh, not the same kind of thoughts I think you were alluding to. I just have personal thoughts that make me angry. Okay. Oh. James, <laughs> James Chowton over the Gamer writes, Power World could be coming to PS5. After just three days, Power World is one of Steam's most played games of all time and has sold 7 million copies, despite also being available on Xbox Game Pass. But there's one console it hasn't braved yet, the PS5. It's been out a week, James. Let's relax. Pump the brakes a little bit. Let's relax. PlayStation head of it's not like we've been waiting years for the game to come to PlayStation. Yeah. PlayStation head of Indies Shuhei Yoshida replied to Pal World's announcement that it had sold one million copies in just eight hours to congratulate the team. To which one fan replied asking for a PS5 version. Yoshida simply responded yes, tagging Jingwen Zhu, who works in PlayStation partner development. It's understandable that PlayStation would want a breakout hit like Power World on its platform, given Pokemon with guns was enough to dethrone Counter-Strike 2, Dota 2, PUBG, Apex Legends, Naraka Bladepoint, GTA 5, and Baldur's Gate 3. At the time of writing, it's still at the top of the charts with 910,000 concurrent players, and that's on a Monday morning. Kyle Stevenson, what are your thoughts here, man? I so my insignificant anger is just like I've known about this game for years, and then it comes out, and everyone's just like, "Oh, have you heard about this Pokemon game with guns?" Literally, yes. <laughs> I have showed this trailer to almost everyone I know. Really? <laughs> I'd be like, "How ridiculous is this thing?" That's a Lapras with rocket launchers on its shoulder. Right? How insane does this look? So you've known about so this I've, for years? I've known from Pal World for at least a year or two. Oh wow. Um, so to see the world like thinking they discovered something brand new, it's just like, come on now, come on now. Maybe if you gave indies a little bit more of a look and more of a love, you'll uh, you'll find games like this, right? And that's why <laughs> yeah. when like the, the all right, here's here's what gives me the rub. All right, here my back suddenly hurting. Oh, my, I'm angry. It's the fact that there's a massive success, and no doubt <laughs> is this very inspired by Pokemon, right? Very inspired. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But people are like, in, instead of going, hey, good good on you, or holding your, your reservations for it because you're uncertain of the origins of this thing, people are just throwing blanketed statements. Like, you know, this studio or the, the publisher has worked on AI content. And then without proof going, hey, there's AI generated things in here. you're bad (laughs) it's like that's not how the world works like you have no evidence to support these claims and and then they move on they go well we did find this and this is where i get angry at games journalism uh twitter user x525 anime you know image here (laughs) has posted this model of how you know they have copied uh original pokemon and then that person coming out going, hey, guys, I lied. And all all this venom being thrown at Pal World devs. And then the same exact time for Game Freak, which are essentially 
<laughs> essentially the the Madden for anime fans out there, the manga fans. The, 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 You're not wrong. You know, it, it, so, like, they work on yearly content for this game that is a juggernaut each and every year, no matter if it's good or bad. It's like, y'all, can you let the devs just, just, just be normal? Because <laughs> to me, I'm like, just put yourself in that position the best way you can. Because to me, I think about it as I worked in retail. I worked at retail in Black uh, on Black Friday, and you're dealing with the customer in front of you. You got a line out the door. You got an angry customer over there yelling at you, coming at you unprompted. You got the phones ringing. You got merchandise coming in and out of the store left and right. It's a lot. Give them, give me a minute to breathe, right? Imagine that, you know, seven million fold and everybody's speaking a different language. <laughs> uh, people, I think they fail to understand again how like game dev works where this is a japanese studio they have a pr team in america with probably the size before this game blew up of maybe two people and a translator and a 12 hour time difference of in in between them it's going to take them time to talk to you guys and to iron out the kinks and you know set in focus what's truly important what's the roadmap of this game looking like now um how do we grow to expand this game and how to just keep it running keep it chugging and then at the same exact time talk about these accusations laid in front of you that's a lot of work for a small team so when we say let them cook <laughs> it's like just let give them grace give them time if you have reservations about this game it's, it's fine. You don't need to yell at them. Just give them a couple of days. It's going to be delayed. <laughs> because it's so big. Nobody expected this. And obviously not them. Obviously not us. Because we just thought this game existed four days ago. And it's been out there for a year and a half. So, time. And when it comes to the Nintendo argument. And this is where I end my t talk. This game's been out for a year. Okay? Nintendo has seen this. If Xbox has seen this, Nintendo has seen this. And uh, we haven't seen the army of Nintendo, you know, lawyers at Pal World's door yet. Not saying they can't seal Team 6 it overnight. But we haven't seen it yet. So maybe we could stop pretending to be copyright lawyers. Okay? <laughs> Sound good, Internet? Could we, could we be normal? Please. Ah. <sighs> I mean, you bring up fair points. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to play devil's advocate on a lot of it. Cause I do agree with okay. you on a lot of Thank it. Thank you. Um, first and foremost, people spewing hate at a, at a dev and like death threats, whatever, right. knock that shit off. Right. Not okay. In any book mm -hmm. in, in my ass. Not in this house. Not in this house. Take that to, uh, to Luke Lore's Xbox expansion pass. Yeah. They're, they're very toxic over there. Very mean people. I will. I will. <laughs> I okay. Uh I will kick your ass and send you to Poopy Pants MD. Like that that is if you keep that up around here, that's what's gonna happen. We'll take you to the uh, dock. <laughs> He'll sort your shit out. Unlike Poopy Pants, which uh, I don't know. Um what was I gonna say? Oh, there are some cases though okay. with a lot of indie games. Okay. Um where they do like asset flips. Right. Well they'll buy rights to an asset 
and use it in their game and it's not unique enough and i can see how some of those arguments can be put in some of this dev's previous games sure like there is like a very much there's some hollow knight levels and looks to one of their previous games like straight up it looks like it's just taken out it, it could not be but also i'm not going to sit here and be like uh, just ignore the fact that game devs take inspiration from other games mm-hmm. and that's just bound to happen right so like of course some of the pokemon designs will look a little bit like pal world because mm-hmm. they're obviously inspired by pokemon some it for my taste a little too similar sure like a little too much like i mentioned there's a lapras looking animal with rocket launchers on its back it's insane um so it's but it's also a different style of game it's a different everything right well they're even trying to say like the the uh, like the big bunny with the gatling gun it looks like hispanic pikachu which the electabuzz right i call him hispanic pikachu because he looks like my uncle luis and okay. he looks like he speaks Spanish like my Uncle Luis. Okay. And again, he has broad shoulders like my Hispanic Uncle Luis. So, yeah. like And I'm like, that's not that's not Hispanic Pikachu in the slightest. Like, they got the same color scheme. They both have a symbol on their chest. But, like, mm-hmm. let's not get crazy. And, like, to me, the way I see it is, like, maybe it's my old millennial eyes that deceive me. But a mm-hmm. lot of these Pokemon, again, I see similarities. Like, the one that looks like a sh- like sheep. Um, yeah, that looks Woo-woo. very similar. Whatever it is, but at the same exact time, after Gen two, Pokemon just started looking like AI acid flips. <laughs> like there's literally a Pokemon that I looks like trash. You're not wrong. Yeah, and you're not trash. wrong. So yeah, it's, you're not wrong. It's like let's not let's not pretend it's an original idea either. It's not. But like, no. At the end of the day, listen, we're talking about this because it may come to PlayStation <laughs> with the simple yes, yes from Shuei. When do you think we see Power World come into PlayStation 5? And are you interested in playing it if you haven't already? Uh, no, I'm not interested just because it is a um, it's a survival game right. where you have to like f- chop wood and mine for rock and build a house. Like that's not the type of game right. I'm into. Right. <laughs> uh, when I think we'll see it, I, I will I will put a lock on it right now. Okay. I feel like the the PlayStation version was probably already in the works, oh. or as soon as the success happened, mm-hmm. they're like, okay, let's fast track it because they're selling a crazy amount of copies. Right. right. Um, I could see it being announced at Game Awards. Okay. Okay. Like one of the year's biggest hits right. is now coming to another. That's it. Hopefully, at the same time, Vampire Survivors comes to PlayStation. God, I'm hungry I'm for dying it. Over I'm hungry here. for it. <laughs> And that's and that's the thing. I think when it comes to Power World, I don't think it's coming anytime soon. It goes back to to me. By the time this game comes out, will the hype be there? We just talked about it. Like usually, like even when it comes to Vampire Survivors, I think it's a little different because like Vampire Survivors literally cost a dollar. But like, you know, will the hype still be there for this game? I don't know. I, and to me, I think the truest controversy, guys. Out of this whole thing first off i saw the pokeball that they have okay all right D- nintendo where are you guys wake up are you, are you guys asleep what are <laughs> is joe behind the, the, the lines there come on um 
But at the same exact time, the thing that made me uneasy is you could capture humans and turn them into slaves with the Pokeball. And that made me nervous. <laughs> you can also. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's an option. I think I saw this out of TikTok. It could be very much doctored sure. and not an actual mechanic. It looks real to me. Damn it. Uh, if you have a knife, you can choose to butcher the Pokemon. No, you could kill them. Yeah, and then they're gone. Yeah. They don't revive or anything. They're gone. Yeah. And your Pokemon Why has Why would guns. you choose to do that? <laughs> and that's like the kind of the sick thing, man. It's but like, like your own Pokemon, I mean. Not like a wild one. You can just let it go yeah. and be like, you know what? I'm done with you. I'm going to butcher you. That, and that's the other thing. It's like giving Pikachu and Uzi to me seems stupid and like takes the whimsy out of what Pokemon He already is. shoots lightning. Why Ex- does he need a gun? Exactly. Well, he's like, I believe in my Second Amendment rights. Like, oh, we got a right you in the building. Okay. So it's like, um, you know. So Canada says you can butcher your own captured humans too. Th- see, cool. that's, that's a little worrying. So like, I don't know. The game doesn't interest me because, yeah, like the, the concept just doesn't grab me. But no. yeah, it's it, the biggest game right now. Outselling the units sold uh, Spider-Man. So yeah, nuts. I, like nuts. no joke though. Give me a, a good monster collecting game on PlayStation. Yeah, and if there is one, let me know. Yeah, because yeah. I the, the last few Pokemon games I've tried and not dug them. Fair. And I used to love the the OG Pokemon games. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, nerd chat says, let's get Hogue Law in here. I think he's covered it. He's covered it pretty extensively on mm-hmm. his channel. He says it. Like, they have within their right. And listen, you have your right to go this. The, the art style's too close. I'm not going to yeah, do this. Absolutely. You know, that's fine. That's fair. The age old saying, vote with your wallet. That's right. But actually do it. Don't just say it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Come on, gamers. Jeez. All right, Kyle. It's time for some flashies. Got to run fast. We got to talk to Sam Barlow. We got to do it. He's got to talk some more tests. Hey, Kyle, here are the top 20 games downloaded on PlayStation 5. At number one, your boycott worked. Hogwarts Legacy, number one. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 at number two. Marvel Spider-Man 2 at number three. Madden NFL 24. NBA 2K24 at five. Star Wars Jedi Survivor at six. Baldur's Gate 3, the game of the year. At number seven, Diablo, four at eight, EA Sports, FC at 24, Mortal Kombat at one, MLB The Show, 2023 at 11, Final Fantasy, 16 at 12, Resident Evil 4 at 13, Dead Island 2 at 14, WWE 2K23 at 15, Assassin's Creed Mirage, at 16, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Siege Dead Space at number 18, God bless. Street Fighter 6 at number 19. And last but not leastly, because it had to be, it beat all the odds, Grand Theft Auto 5 at number 20. Really quickly. Yes. A lot of people like to put give GTA 5 their flowers for always selling a crazy amount of uh, games. Right. Shout out to Siege yes. for its longevity as well. Yes. I feel like we don't talk about that enough. And it's... GTA is a fully open world mm-hmm. where you can do a tons of, of different things. GTA Online is 
littered with diverse kind of events and things you could do siege is legit like a, a mode or a, a couple types of modes yeah. in a very specific kind of genre and when did that game come out was it like 20 20 14 2015 around there something like Idris that elbow was one of the like the the he was he was in the commercials i remember i'm like oh we're pulling out all the stops we got Aegis. now he's in video games you know yeah uh december 1st 2015 yeah. so to um, me i think the wild le- the least shocking is hogwarts legacy i think hogwarts legacy kind of yeah. has like the force awakens type hype sure. behind it where it's like it's been so long since this dormant ip's been a thing it actually looks really good and really faithful to the source material um and people are hungry for it and i think it at number one totally makes sense um and, and I love to see something dethroning Call of Duty that is not a Rockstar game. I think what sur- uh, what actually surprises me is Baldur's Gate 3. I love seeing something that is a critical darling. It's winning all the awards right now, rightfully so. One hours. We love Baldur's Gate 3. It beat the likes of Diablo, which is just crazy to think. Final Fantasy. Resident Evil 4. Like, these are, you know, the games that it's beating have legacy. Street Fighter Six, and a game uh, that Baldur's is... Baldur's Gate also has a legacy. It's just not, like, in mainstream kind of Exactly. Terms. Like, when has a CRPG of that, of the likes of a literal dungeon crawling, like, not even dungeon crawling, uh, Dungeons Warian's and Dragons. last game, Divinity. Yeah. That was the last one. But, like, when have you seen a Divinity cra- crack anywhere close to the top 20 list? Oh. Yeah, yeah, you know, okay. and so I love to see Larian get a, a win. So I, 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 I don't know I like this. It, it gives me, it gives me faith. You know. All right, Kyle. Here's the next story on the list. Have you seen this? Have you heard about this? Final Fantasy VII Advent Children screening in select U.S. theaters ahead of Rebirth on PlayStation 5. This comes from Push Square in a partnership with Fathom Events and Sony Pictures. The company screening the director's cut version in the U.S. in theaters on the 21st and 22nd of February, a week before Rebirth launches. Kyle Stevenson, number one Final Fantasy fan. Are you gonna be in the theater? No, I am. I'm gonna try. <laughs> I have it on 4K. That's the only reason why. Oh, I've never seen it. I remember being. I have it here in a Sony style and watching one of the chases. I was like, oh, this Fair. this looks actually pretty dope. So yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. From what I remember, it wasn't like the best thing in the world. Yeah, but but I also. It's important enough to what Rebirth and the the plan is for this remake series mm-hmm. enough to re-release it. Mm. So I still think it's worth watching it at some point. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Focus Home Entertainment is making the really dumb decision of rebranding to pull up entertainment on April 1st, 2024. I choose not to believe it as they chose to put this in front of the fact that they're down 43% uh, revenue year over year, which I think is the thing also, they're probably covering up. Yes. Is this just the world's longest April 1st uh, April that's, joke? That's what I'm choosing to believe. And God bless them if that's the case. Or, like, are all their trailers going to end with pull up? Like, you're about to fight them? Pull up. God, I... 
entertainment. I, I think so. <gasps> All right. <laughs> Dumb. Are they? Is is Focus isn't Embracer? Is it? No. No, 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 no. We're going to talk about them in a second. Don't you worry. Yeah. Okay. PS5 audio experience upgraded with new equalizer and side uh, tone features. This comes from Push Square. A new PS5 firmware update available now is set to improve the console's audio experience when you're playing with the new PlayStation, or sorry, the Pulse Explorer earbuds and the Pulse headset releasing next month. A new equalizer is designed to enhance the overall sound quality of side tone feature that lets you adjust how much of your own voice you want to hear in the microphone. You could grab the 1.1 gigabyte firmware update now in order to gain access, and then new features will be available in the sound tab and in the control center. You can edit some of the equalizer presets according to five different options preview of what it'll sound like. Your settings will be stored on the earbuds and they'll carry over and be automatically selected when you connect them to another device. That is pretty cool. That actually makes the Explorer headbuds uh, a much better investment. And I'm hoping that this also improves the dropping, uh, you know, from these earbuds. Because that's been annoying. Again, these are these could be really great earbuds, but they're just all right right now. And so I'm really hoping that upgrade uh, or that, that system update fixes that. All right. And finally, we saw more Hell Divers, a deep dive-ish trailer. I love the vibe of this game, dude. <laughs> Forty I bucks. I watched it. Oh, dude, it looks it looks cool. Forty bucks. You know, it's not the biggest risk in the world. I think I'm gonna dive in. <laughs> I know. I see what you did. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, with some of the community on this, I'm cool. Yeah, I, I think this is a day one, and maybe you know. I don't know. Huh? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? All right. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Layoffs. Because uh-huh. they have mm-hmm. been hitting uh, the industry real hard in 2023 and seems like even harder in 2024 with no stopping in sight. Uh, People Can Fly cuts 30 members of its staff as the Square Enix-funded Project Gemini reduces its scope. Uh, Riot confirms 530 layoffs, nearly 11% of the studio. This comes from VGC. Uh, Quote, for most of our history, we've managed to avoid days like this. But the decision is critical for the future of Riot, the company said in a statement. This isn't to appease shareholders or to hit a quarterly earnings number. It's necessary. Over the past few years, as Riot more than doubled in headcount, we spread our efforts across more and more projects without sharp enough razors to decide what players needed the most. The adjustments we're making uh, aim to focus us in areas that we have the greatest impact on your experience while reducing investments on things that don't. Uh, And this is what I wrote, trading card game and third-party publishing arm saw the most reduction. I know this really sucks and people losing their jobs. There's like, here's the, you know, here's the light at the end of the tunnel. Here's some optimism. It's really hard to, to offer any of that when, you know, stuff like this happens. And I though appreciate this quote where to get in front of it, it's like, this is not to appease shareholders or to hit a quarterly earning number. It's necessary. 
giving their staff six months of severance and health benefits is admirable. Um, it's awful to see. But I think what we have seen over the past few years, especially in the gaming field, is a whole lot of, hey, investors coming in going, let's try to make something more out of Riot than just League of Legends and you know, expand into fighting games. Like Project L is supposed to be something we're going to be seeing very soon. And going, hey, well, why can't we turn this into a trading card game, which sounds good on paper. Then you can compete with the likes of Magic. Sounds great. You could become a third-party publishing arm. Yelp, trans, translate your games into, you know, transmedia property. That's awesome. We're seeing it's harder. Um, you know, easier said than done. I think you're seeing success with things like Arcane, uh, which is a brilliant show. But then you see the third-party publishing arm. When, they, when I saw that reduction, I was like, ah. This is, with all the investment, these are the areas that aren't doing well and they have to reduce the scope. I mean, there have been a lot of uh, League of Legends games that we even talk about on the show and then it's just, we kind of forget about them. So as much as this sucks, I think what we are seeing and what we're going to see in the next few years um, is companies going, hey, we try to expand in other areas and we just can't. We just aren't. And I think what we're seeing in games right now is the level of investment that was there in 2020 and 2021 it just isn't there right now anymore. And they have to course correct. And it sucks. It's There's no silver lining when I say that. It just really sucks to see. Yeah, this is just awful all around. Yeah. I hate it so much. It's so unfair that the people responsible for us to play take part in the hobby we love are viewed as disposable at the drop of a hat. And while that statement is on paper, sounds like the most damage control thing ever. Mm -hmm. um, I echo with a, a lot with uh, what other people I've seen talk about it and, these, you know, initiatives come from the same person or likely the same person in each division. And those people are still in charge. And so why is it the CEO have to, like, you know, take a pay cut or or yeah, the, the Awada you thing know, we've take been some take some sort of responsibility right. for the reason why these things aren't working is because you put too much uh, you know, effort into this thing. And now you realize you made a mistake. So now you are affecting the livelihood of so many other people who are just trying to do what you wanted to put in place in the first place. Yeah. Like I, I, I truly believe in granted it's a pie in the sky. It's a utopia. Sure. View of thinking, but like just reassign them in the team. <laughs> right. Or, 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 or I don't know, like, just getting rid of them completely is uh, granted the severance stuff that what I've read, if that is true, amazing. Yeah. I think that is the best look into any of the layoffs since they've been happening um, or at least a positive sign of it, but it just overall sucks. Yeah. It's hard to be happy about video games when the, when this is happening, it is. you know, it's really hard. It's really hard. And again, I, 
to me, it's important that we talk about it and bring it up. And like when we talk about the last one, more embracer layoffs are in a minute. Uh, you know, the TMNT game that was just shown off the rise of the Ronin, like that, the staff in by half. And I think it's a good, um, it's a good yin and yang kind of situation. We can see of like riot trying to treat their, the people that are being laid off the best that they can. And then just seeing Embracer going, we made really stupid bets that really just didn't pay off all at once. Again, goes back to what I was saying about PlayStation. You're putting a whole lot of bets in a whole lot of places all at once. Maybe we slow down a bit. It kind of comes from this. Uh, again, I yeah, as much as I love you, Kyle, it is like a little bit utopian because like, how do I find people in the publishing arm to go and do whatever they can in a studio that's making a game? It's like two totally different you know, um, two different type of mindsets and workers that you need. But it's like, as like in the capitalistic society of which we live in and where we, you know, where a lot of these companies are placing bets of what's going to be the future of, you know, A, B, and C. And when things don't pan out the way that they see, you can have a embracer way of layoffs where it happens at the very end of the month so that they don't have to pay your health insurance. You get a shitty severance and you're out the door to seeing Riot going, hey, we're going to give you a few more months of your medical. We're going to give you a few more months of severance. You know, we're going to give you recommendations on all that. That is a much better way of handling it if this is going to be the case. Um, again, it sucks. And... There is no silver lining. We've all been there. I've been laid off, and it's the shittiest feeling in the world. But you know, a lot of people are like, "Why would I? Why would I want to work in this industry after seeing all this?" And I agree. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. And I hope I hope these people that are laid off do come back to this industry. But the level of burnout is just yeah. incredible. It's so. high. Yeah. All right, Kyle. Let's get into a little bit of positive uh, news. Tekken 8 and Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth reviews are out. And Kyle, they got the same exact score. Can you believe Ooh, that? Wee. Kyle, I'm going to read I'm going to read Tekken 8 and I'd like you to read um, Infinite Wealth if you if if you could. Sure. This comes from IGN over at sorry, over at I, IGN by Ronnie Barrier. A nine, Tekken 8 is an incredible evolution of the series with tons of single player content, an excellent suite of training tools, a great online experience, and exciting new mechanics that make Tekken more dynamic than ever. Eurogamer uh, from Ryan, or sorry, Lewis Parker, a five out of five. Tekken 8 is marked is a marked improvement over Tekken 7 and a perfectly ex executed balancing act, keeping older players happy while revealing its trademark free freedom to newcomers. And last but not least, IGN, or sorry, IGN, Jesus, I'm off my rocker today. Game Informer Marcus Stewart gives it a 8.3. As a complete package, Tekken 8 doesn't reach the heights of recent rivals like Street Fighter 6 and Mortal Kombat 1, but... When the match begins, you are exploiting openings to unleash flashy combo strings, air juggles, and it remains a thrilling, if very familiar, one-on-one -on -one experience. And on the Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth side, Eurogamer's Khan Seren gave it a 4 out of 5. Violent stakes once again meet zany shenanigans in Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, the series' much-improved second RPG. 
over at IGN, Tristan Oak Oglevy, I'm sorry, Tristan, uh, gave it a nine. Sprawling, enthralling, and packed with dynamic brawling. Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth isn't just the best turn-based Like a Dragon game. It's one of the greatest games Oops, you in sound the like entire a robot. series. I got you. I got you. Uh, please remember, everybody remind me. <laughs> everybody in the chat. No, Kyle right now. Remind me to get on Amazon and give you a new uh, aux cable for crying out loud. I remembered it today, and I was going to ask you right before the show uh, what length of aux cable that you got. Is that just, better? Yeah, I'll just do it right now. What, okay. What type of length of aux cable do you need? I don't know. I don't know. Okay, relax. I'm helping you. I'm helping you. You're coming at me with fire. All right, coming at me with love. All right. Michael, hi, I'm over here. You could be right? a little you... bit more appreciative is all I'm saying. <laughs> Do you want to get into that right now? No, no, thank you. <laughs> okay. Because who got who a Christmas present after saying we would? Okay, anyway, Michael Hyam over GameSpot gave it an eight. Infinite Wealth takes one step forward and two steps back, mm -hmm. leaving co uh, conflicted feelings amid its outstanding RPG systems and phenomenal character moments. Ooh-wee, ooh-wee. Delicious Morsels writes in, G'day, gents. I just wanted to take a moment and express how... Just how excited I was seeing the re reviews come out for Tekken 8 and Like a Dragon Infinite. Also, coincidentally, the eighth mainline game in the series, by the way. And have them uh, re uh, received with such positivity. While both long since gone multi-platform, these franchises both got their start on PlayStation consoles and seeing them come out swinging in 2024 with mo uh, monumental new entries, you love to see it. I've absolutely been addicted to, sorry, the Tekken 8 demo and eagerly await access to the full game. I haven't played Tekken since the demo and had a, uh, a oh, oh, out of a three-way back on, on PS1. Remember the demo disc? Oh, okay, get it. Okay, my mind went really dirty. Hello. Uh, but Tekken 8 has some of the best onboarding I've seen in a fighting game. Seriously, if uh, you've been... The least bit curious, give this one a look. Don't be afraid of the sweaty online. There's more than enough single-player content packed into this game to get your money's worth, including a story mode that looks to be one hell of a ride, and plus uh, recaps of the first seven to catch you up. Ooh, that's great. And as for Like a Dragon, I won't be playing day one since I'll be still working my way through the series to prepare currently on yakuza 5 but boy am i excited for when i finally get there and let me tell you sure it sounds daunting to play all these games first but the narrative payoffs are so worth it ooey ooey thank you so much for the beautiful write up there delicious morsels thank you so much and also um we got a game a little indie kyle by the name of the little guardsman uh so canon wanted to, to make sure we give it love it sits out in 84 and it looks Gosh, oh, dang beautiful. Yeah, I I secretly added what you've been playing because I was going to talk about it then. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, but very good. It's very good. Fair enough. Fair enough. And last bit of flash news, we got the Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, shows off its first season of content uh -huh. with its first playable character after the main uh -huh. cast, and it's the Elseworlds version of Joker, which looks yeah. like the lead singer. Of uh, what's this? Uh, motionless and white. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought that was funny. That's all. 
Sure. Game looks great. Looks cool. I love seeing people go, oh, wow, this game actually does look good. It's like, yeah. I, does. I also really loved watching that and getting a hint at them using the Elseworlds. Yes. As to, like, I don't know if that was only just post-game uh, stuff yeah. uh, referring to, but using that as possibly a hint as to why we are killing these heroes and they're probably not coming back is because they're not our versions. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know, but I I could totally get into that kind of story beat. Right. Um, I'm very excited to play it next week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. And before we go into our interview with the brilliant Sam Barlow, Kyle, I have yeah. not played anything in four days. It's been okay. sad. I've been a little depressed. I'm not going to lie. I really want to get my hands on a dual sense. Work's just been that mm-hmm. crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Kyle, what's you been playing? So we already hinted at it earlier. So can it put out in chat? Uh, Little Guardsman came out, yeah. um, and it deserves its score. It's brilliant. It is so heartwarming oh, nice. and charming. Uh, the whole base of the game is if you've played Papers Please back in the day, it's similar, where you are working the gate of a medieval fantasy uh, kingdom, and you have to decide whether you allow people uh, entrance or deny them. Um, and it's quirky, it's funny, um, it's, you know, self-deprecating at times. Like, there was a goblin that came up, and he looked pixelated, and he had a robot voice like he was in a computer game. Like, it's very self-aware. Um, and the story between The art is Lil, beautiful. Oh, it's gorgeous. Uh, Lil and her father's relationship is really touching. The voice acting is really good. Right. Um, so if that Papers, Please kind of like hook sounds exciting to you, please give it a shot. Uh, I think 20 it's, bucks. I Yeah, I lost, I think, two and a half hours to it last night. I was like, you know what? Let me just get a little feel for it. And then I, you know, was playing till 1.30 in the morning because nice. I just couldn't stop. Um, also on the indie front, I played The Cub. What's this about? Um which is a uh, six foot indie showcase alum. Okay, uh, I think it opened last March's show, mm. if I'm not from, uh, not mistaken, from the same dev uh, Demagogue Studio, who uh, put out I think it's High Water, and Golf Club Wasteland, which is now called Golf Club Nostalgia. Um, I have a physical copy with it, with uh, Wasteland. Mm. Um, so or real life Mandela effect. I have it right there, and no <laughs> one can tell me any different. Um, it, it is akin to the old school Jungle Book Genesis games. Mm-hmm. Like that's literally in the description of the game. Another gorgeous looking game. It's a it's a platformer. There's no real combat. Okay. Um, the platforming is as difficult as those old Genesis games. So if that is something that you don't want to relive, I'm telling you right now because there is a moment. Um, I want to say two hours in, and I'm pretty close to the end because I think it's only two and a half hours long. Um, where I ha- I was getting so much rage, I had to put it down because uh, it just wasn't working the way I think it should be working. So I was like, you know, what? let me come back. I'll I'll figure it All out. All right, okay. Uh, music is stellar. One of the the best soundtracks of the year so far. Um, if, but if you like that retro kind of style of game, please go check it out. Easy plot, awesome. you think? Um, maybe there there is a trophy of like don't die in a level, and the platform is tough. In, like, so, in just a specific level or just a level? 
in it, it says don't die in the level i don't know if that's a specific level or a translation kind of Fair. okay thing um but if you're a ps plus member i think it's 10 bucks oh wow it's on sale so it, it's it's worth it mm-hmm. um played a little game called prince of persia yeah and and here here is where i feel like i'm gonna make people angry it's fine it's fine um i can see why people love it um it's a very good prince of persia game it's a very good metroidvania game um i think other metroidvanias i've played like what do it better like what guacamelee all right um because i'm i'm a big metroidvania fan i've played a lot of them um it's good it's solid I, I do get I still do get lost a little bit in the map. There, there there was I think I lost three, four hours of not knowing where to go. And I I thought I exhausted every single corridor, hallway where the little white dots are and be like unexplored. I went to the mall and they're all blocked off. Come to find out that there was um some sort of a uh, bug that had a door that was shut that shouldn't have been shut and it wouldn't open for me. Mm. So I was like, oh, that's weird. So once I figured that out, I, I had to restart and, and go again. Mm-hmm. But it's a good game. It's just it's not the end all be all next coming of Christ when it comes to Metroidvania. In my Do you eyes. think I hyped it up a little bit too much last week? No, I think for you, I think you, you had a great time. Mm-hmm. Just for me personally, I played a lot of Metroidvanias and it's good. Mm-hmm. It's just not. I think Guacamelee is better. Maybe you put that assist mode so you get the guiding light to get you where you need to go. No. I just said it was a bug that was preventing me from progressing, so that one didn't help. I like that game a lot. Yeah. And then the last one. (laughs) How dare you? How dare you? Um, And the last one, which will lead right into our interview, um, played some Immortality. Yeah. Because I've been excited to try it out because I've heard everyone just falling in love with this game when it came out on Xbox last year. And the performances, I've just heard nothing but great things. And I'll be honest, I'll be completely honest. I wasn't feeling it at first. Because mm. it is very much a start the game. Here's a quick tutorial. Now go. Yeah. And that level of freedom is so daunting yeah. right at first. And if you're not familiar, it's a game where you are piecing together movies to find out about Marissa Marcel, played by uh, Manon Gage, who is incredible. Um insane yeah <laughs> like can we can we preemptively put her in best performance for last year's i wish <laughs> i wish we could i wish i mean now i understand man, now because when when she yes. won last i was like all right you know danielle episode yeah. right there but okay but yeah, like yeah, i it just she's incredible dude her performances are legitimately great and the vibe of like a lot of what she's doing reminds me of things like x and pearl um, yes and so yeah. i i really i dig the vibe of this game a lot for what i've played yeah. so far and yeah you're right like the freedom is very daunting but like it's to me it's just like i mean we're going to talk about it a little bit in that interview but it's like yeah. just get lost don't be afraid to but just that, explore yeah, yeah so the way i was i was playing it completely wrong because i was watching every scene from start to end yeah. and and it wasn't until we interviewed sam which we'll, we'll hear in a in a second or two where 
he wants you to stop and click around because the the film is playing and you can stop and click on various things in the scene, yeah. which will bring you to another scene in the same movie, a different movie, something completely different. And he wants you to explore it and discover fun things and what's going on with Marissa throughout it. And the hooks are in me. Yeah. And now I'm having a good time. Now I'm like, okay, let me what's up with this apple where's this apple gonna take exactly me? oh there's a fake dove flying in that'd be funny if they use that in a different movie and, and clicking it and going crazy because there's some really cool intense scary things that pop up yep. so uh it's a good time but yeah immortality's rad be excited be excited be excited and with that y'all here's our interview with the illustrious sam barlow Welcome all to a interview with the illustrious Sam Barlow, creator of Immortality, coming to PlayStation on January 23rd. Sam, thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm feeling very illustrious. That's, yeah, good. You should. <laughs> you absolutely should. Uh, I want. I want to start with like a like a fun question before we okay. get really into Immortality. Um, her story, Telling Lies, now Immortality. All the players taking out a mystery for them to solve. What are some of your favorite mysteries in fiction? Oh, I say, you say fun question. You mean oh, essay fair. question. Oh, you that's mean, totally mean, fair. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is an interesting question. Uh, the thing that, that comes to mind, this is like a random one, um, is there's a book called The Devotion of Suspect X, uh, which was like when it came out, had like a little bit of a buzz here. Uh, I think they've done a movie of it, and they're probably doing a bunch of TV adaptations now. But it's it's like a like I, when I did her story, I got really really deep into what even is a detective story, what's a mystery story, how do they work, getting deep into if, if you look at the history going from like Agatha Christie onto the modern day, there has been these these key evolutions where. Like the Agatha Christie mysteries were like little puzzles, right? There, there's, a, there's a locked room, there's a dead body. Poirot shows up and he, he doesn't have a lot of character development, right? He is a set of, of ticks and affectations. You go through the whole book, all sorts of clues. The idea is can you, the reader or player, solve the mystery? And then at the very end, Poirot comes in and goes, well, here is the solution. And usually it's like too clever for you. It's like, you know, it's, it's like a clever solution. Uh, and then the way I get really interested in mysteries is uh, there's this big evolution that occurs going into uh, things like Columbo. Columbo is like the most famous version, which is it goes from being the who done it to the how done it. Now, in an episode of Columbo, at the start of the episode, you see who did it, right? You see who did the murder. Uh, you don't necessarily see how they like cleaned up after themselves. And then cut to Columbo shows up. And now suddenly you have this whole extra layer of dramatic irony because you have the murderer stood there sweating and Columbo's there doing his, you know, one more thing. And, and, and so there's still a mystery around like, how did they dispose of the body? How are they, you know, are they going to get away with it? But you have so much more of an interesting set of things going on there. Um, and this is, so this book, The Devotion of Suspect X is... Uh, it starts with, this isn't a spoiler, uh, it starts with a mother and her daughter killing a guy who, uh, I, I think he's like 
some abusive spouse or something. They kill this guy. And a, a master mathematician shows up and is like, oh, crap, I'm going to help you get away with this murder. And he says, leave things to me. And he sets in place a plan. And then the rest of the book is the detective trying to figure out what's going on. And there's like an incredibly good twist where you're like, I don't get how his plan's going to work. How is he going to... And it's I won't ruin it because it's really beautiful. This cool twist, which is not only a cool kind of plot twist, be like, oh man, that is such a clever solution to this puzzle. But what it does to the character and what the, like your emotional reaction to understanding what has happened, it's just like killer. Like it just, it's devastating. And, you know, so that, like, that's really cool. Um, uh, I like mysteries that don't even have answers. There's like really famously the big sleep, right? Famous book. They made a fantastic movie of it with Humphrey Bogart. And the famous story is, uh, I think like the, the start of The Big Sleep involves uh, a chauffeur being killed, a car crashed, and there's a dead chauffeur in it. And that starts the mystery off, right? And then all sorts of weird stuff happens. Uh, and at one point, they're, they're getting ready to film, and Humphrey Bogart calls up Howard Hawks. And he's like, hey, Howard, I'm just going through the script. He's like, I don't get it. I've read the whole thing. I think I understand what's going on. But like, who killed the chauffeur? It doesn't make any sense. There was no one... Like, the, how, why does this this dead body that starts off the whole mystery, like who the hell killed this guy? And Howard Hawks is like, now that you mention it, I have no idea. So he gets on the phone to Raymond Chandler, the original author of the book, and he's like, hey, Raymond, got a bit of a problem here. Humphrey Bogart wants to know, like, who killed the chauffeur? And Raymond Chandler's like, uh, damn, I don't know. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> you know, just by the time he's finished writing this book, and all the pieces have been shuffled around. It's like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But, you know, and then famously that was, uh, like that was what killed Twin Peaks, right? Mm. It was originally Lynch just wanted that. Like he knew the answer himself, but he didn't want that to ever get resolved. And then uh, Bob Iger, who now runs Disney, was like, no man, you got to tell people. Yeah. That's the, the whole nation wants to know who killed Laura uh -huh. Palmer. And then they told everyone and the show sucked. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> and, uh, so I think Bob Iber goes on the record as going, maybe I made the wrong call. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I love those I think kind he's of... been saying that a lot recently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's having a tough time. But um, yeah. yeah, I love those kind of mysteries where, where yeah, the, the mystery is an interesting thing mechanically, but it also has some kind of, you know, emotional resonance and some kind of thematic Absolutely. punch to it. Or, or where you're just left thinking it over. Like it's not being completely answered. Mm -hmm. That's always the good stuff. What ma what makes mystery and like horror work so well, like in the game format? So here's what I love about horror specifically. What I really love about horror is like in any piece of storytelling, you're usually dealing with, with, with metaphors and themes and ideas, right? So I don't know, you might watch uh, a serious indie drama that is about death and mortality, right? And it's going to be lots of people sat around talking about stuff and they might, they might have a pot plant in the window that is slowly dying across the movie and it like represents their fear of death or whatever. And you're like, okay, that's cool. With horror, you go, well, here's the metaphor, right? Here is the thing we're scared of. It's, it's the freaking alien. And at some point, very quickly, you, you forget it's a metaphor and it just becomes its own thing. 
and and so it becomes really like primal and stops being quite as intellectual episode, you know, a, a thing because you're like yeah the, the conception of of the alien is you know all the things that we're scared of and and all this weird sexual stuff but once it becomes the alien it's just the alien right it becomes it's freddy krueger and it's yeah. and, and you you just i love like to me that is like a way of of kind of bypassing that level of conscious thought and just having people just absorb the themes and everything so i think with with horror it gives you the permission to to just treat the thing as a, as a real thing. And in games, that can be really useful because, you know, games generally are driven by action and by an active participation and by you wanting to have intent and, and do things in the world. And so, you know, if you want to explore certain themes, sometimes it's within horror, it's a lot easier because you have this thing that the player's doing and this reason for them to be interacting with everything. Um, and similarly, like I think with the mystery, like I always describe her story as, as, as being a trick in that, like the hook that gets people in is, Hey, this is a murder mystery. Did this woman kill her husband or not? Right. Oh, everyone gets what that's about. They want to get in there and solve this question. Now, if you play her story, like you can answer that question fairly conclusively pretty quickly, but then you have loads more interesting questions of like, why, how, what, what the hell is going on with this woman? Um, but so it's, again, it, it's like this real nice mechanism for giving people a reason to be there. They know what their initial purpose is. They have this drive to solve the mystery and they, you know, that's their motivation. Um, and then once they're in, then you can start to kind of, you know, introduce them to the, the kind of more subtle stuff. But to me, it's like a, a good mystery is a, is a question that leads you on. It's like, okay, I want to know what's happening here. And then, you know, playing Immortality, you're entering into a scene and a character saying one thing, but like the light in the background is very distracting. I want to see what's going on and I'm going to click that light and it's going to enter me into another scene. I felt while playing Immortality, I kept on getting lost. And maybe it's just my ADHD brain going, oh, this is interesting. Oh, this is interesting. You know, and, you're playing. And, you're playing it the right way. That's how I play good. it. And then I see. I see the people that sit, and they're like, "I'm just going to sit for ten minutes and absorb." And then I, right. I'm like, "No, no, no! Click, click, click!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like there was never a, a, a time where, like, you know, I'm rewinding a scene all the way back. I'm just like, "What's what? Like this talk show? What's up with that coffee mug? Like just like the little things that that kind of the that kind of keep just." having those questions leading me on to, to another part of the story. And I got, I got kind of like a, a branching question here is, you know, obviously, you know, you love a good cinema, you love a good mystery and games. Where was it where you're like, I really like both of these things. I want to create something using all of it. I think it was, uh, it's probably, it's partly an accident. Um, I think if, if you if you were to compress things or just look at my Wikipedia page, you'd be like, oh, this all makes sense, right? This guy started out making this interactive fiction thing, and then he did Silent Hill, and then he did her story. Like, there's a clear thing going on, and the reality was far more like, chaotic. Um, and I, I think where I got to, so like I like grew up being obsessed with cinema and paintings and, and novels and all sorts of stuff, but always. 
like I get asked, uh, especially like since Immortality came out, like, there's a bunch of like cool filmmakers who reach out. They're like, hey, let's just chat. And then they're like, oh, what, what made you decide to do interactive rather than all the other things you could be doing? And I'm always like, well, like I got a, a Amstrad CPC home computer when I was teeny. Uh, we had like one of the first computers in a school when I was in this little primary school. We had this very eccentric teacher. And so pretty much like from getting to the point where you're aware of cool stories and you're wanting to write your own stories, I was simultaneously like programming in basic and like playing video games and making my own text adventures and all this stuff. So there was never a point where I was like, oh, I, I should try out interactive storytelling as opposed to the other stuff I'm doing. It was always like I'm doing all these things and interactive is always a present element. And I think for me, it's the most interesting thing. Like I feel that we, like I do this whole spiel when I do talks where I'm like, if you look at the 20th century, super interesting time for storytelling because you essentially had broadcast media happen. So you went from, uh, you know, in ye olde days, a story was like a, a song that you would, you know, learn from someone else and then you would pass along this, this little folk tale or you'd tell people around the campfire or even, you know, be a traveling troupe of theater players. But it would always be very intimate and there would be an element of kind of, you know, improvisation. And then we get to broadcast media where suddenly you can transmit an episode of television or, or send a movie around the world and it is like transformative in how many people can be impacted. There's a crazy stat that I love, which was um, in the 50s, Orson Welles did a TV version of King Lear. And more people tuned in and watched that TV performance of King Lear than had ever seen a live performance of King Lear in the entire history of humanity prior to that point. Right? So you just get, oh, there's this sea chains, right? And then, you know, it creates these little cultural moments and this shared kind of cultural understanding we have. But... The downside to broadcast media is it's this fixed thing, right? You make an episode of TV, it's 30 minutes long, it's done, it goes out, it, it can't evolve or change or react in any way. And I think what I get excited about with games is when I'm conceiving of a game, I'm thinking about that interactive element between the player and the game, right? Where things can mold themselves around the player, where things feel a little bit alive. And so it almost it was inevitable that there's this thing I've now come up with of combining the video with the interactivity was, uh, you know, an, an interesting way to, to marry these two ideas. And I think it was, you know, I'd done, been making games for 10 something, nearly 15 years, I think, when I made her story. And uh, like the best game I've made at that point was, was probably like Silent Hill Shattered Memories. And when I was making that game, like growing up, I was obsessed with immersive sims, that, that kind of exploratory 3D game. I loved like Metroid Prime and any game that would like immerse me uh, in a kind of 3D world. And so when we made Silent Hill, it was a real love letter to that idea. It was like, how can we create the most immersive space, get rid of all the load screens, reduce all the UI, just create this real immersive thing. And I had this realization in making it where... I was like this, this cool thing of wandering around a 3D space controlling a character, 
which is at this point almost essential to a video game and our idea of a story-driven video game. I'm like, this is such a, a prop that we, we rely on as storytellers, right? It's just like if you, if you boot up Unity, give someone a flashlight and, and just let them walk around a foggy environment, it's already like atmospheric and immersive. Uh, so it's almost like cheating. And, and so when I made her story, I'd come off, I'd been working on Legacy of Kane for three years and that got canceled. And that project had been trying to take some of the ideas from Shadow Memories to a bigger budget, bigger game. And there was a constant like tension with the publisher of like, we want to do this cool, interesting idea. And they're like, yeah, but you're going to have 10 minutes of combat every 30 minutes, right? You've got to still do all this fun stuff. And so when I made her story, I was like, I'm going to go make an indie game. And this might be the only indie game I make, right? If this doesn't work, I'll go back. Um, so I'm going to push things as far as I can. And so one of the things I started with was I'm not going to rely on like how fun it is to walk around a 3d environment. Uh, I'm not going to rely on, there was this thing, a, a bugbear I had of like, when you talk about interactive narrative, people immediately think choose your own adventure and like choices and consequences and writing in that mode was always difficult for me because immediately my brain turns the story into like a train track and it stops feeling like a story. Uh, so I was like, okay, I'm going to make a narrative game that is not about choice and consequence. It's, it's not actually really like usefully systemic. Um, and that was like, you know, very vague goal that I had. And it sort of led to me going, I'm going to make a game where you, uh, it's a crime investigation game and there's someone being interviewed in a room. And, and it really is, what can we do that allows us to kind of hone in on this conversation and that aspect of the mystery? And it was during the research phase of that project where I found myself watching all of this footage of real life interrogations. It was like just before the true crime thing blew up, right? So this was starting to stuff that was starting to leak out. And, you know, I, I remember there was a week where I just spent the whole week watching all of the interrogation videos of Jody Arias, who is this, this, it's a big case here in the States. And at some point my brain just kind of, you know, I woke up and I went for a walk and my brain was like, hey, hey, Sam, why don't you make a game that is composed of video clips, right? And, and, and put it in a database and chop it up and do all these things. And I was like, hang on a minute. Yeah. That would be cool because like the, the big thing I had of going from this AAA game to being like, I'm going to make an indie game was at that point in my career, I got so used to working with actors doing mocap and stuff. And I was like, how do I tell them, how do I do a narrative game without characters? Right. And it's, you know, you see Gone Home has its answer to that question. Like everybody's gone to the Rapture has an answer. Uh, you see all these indie games constantly having to come up with a reason why everyone's disappeared so that you can do that, right? So then I was like, well, this is great because I will have an actress, I'll have like the best perform, like the best mocap going because it will be real and the hair will be perfect hair physics uh, and it doesn't need to look good because it's supposed to be crappy police footage, right? So that was like, okay, this is a cool idea for a game. I dig it. And it was only really after I'd finished making her story that I kind of looked back and I was like, oh, this is definitely like plugging into my love of weird cinema and and there's, there's, there's ways I could take this further and then really kind of just got into this idea of like, uh, of thinking of these games as being almost kind of Metroidvania 
games where instead of levels, mm-hmm. you're exploring video, right? And what does it mean to explore video and scrub through footage? And what are the different interesting ways that we can ping off of bits yeah. of video clips and stuff? Yeah, and, and to that point, something that I love, because I, I just started playing Immortality a few days ago when we got a code, and for the first time, like, I... I, I stayed away from it because you know playstation is like my home where i play games and one of my favorite things is how immortality starts where like here's quick little tutorial then you're off and that freedom is like very freeing like like as you said like you're not tied to a train track you're not like you're gonna see story beat one after the other how difficult is that for you as, as to like a make sure that they feel comfortable in being free in, in in searching through the game and be holding like the hook to yourself and not coming right out and be like hey when this thing happens you're on you're on the right track to discover <laughs> yeah. something really cool because i don't know joe if you've discovered it but there mm-hmm. there are some scenes that like your controller will start shaking you're like yep. oh thumbs up yep thumbs up <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean, it's this is like the thing we talk about all the time. And like we're making a, a 3D game at the moment that is more of a traditional character-driven game. And it's the same thing. I'm like, we, we've got to just drop them into it because it's so funny. Like I, I'm not going to name names, but uh, uh, I just played through a whole bunch of games because I'm on, I'm on one of the BAFTA juries. And there was like two or three games I hadn't played. It was on the list. And uh, one of them, I got my 13-year-old to play it with me. And 10, 15 minutes into the tutorial... 13-year-old is screaming at the screen, just let me play the goddamn game. Like, Jesus. And I am now so restless when I, like, I just want to get in there, right? And I Yeah, time is precious. You want to get to it. And and for me, like, I definitely, I love being dropped into something that you might not understand and might be overwhelming or confusing, and but you are able to slowly pull this picture together and like, uh, you know, I remember playing um, when Breath of the Wild dropped and you'd gone from that thing of like Nintendo becoming infamous for really laborious tutorials that like treat you like an idiot to then them just going like, boom, you're in this world, go wherever you want. And like the thing that blew me away with that game was there are lots of open world games that are like, yeah, you can go wherever you want. Oftentimes, that's boring. <laughs> okay, I'm going to wonder over there. There's nothing to do there. Or the open world just becomes a time killer between objective A and objective B. Um, but what I really love about like Breath of the Wild and that kind of open world game is it, it promises you, the player, like follow your curiosity and you'll be rewarded. And then the game proves to you that that is genuine. And I think the balance in my games, uh, and we were very aware of this in Immortality, is you're asking a lot of players, right? You're dropping them into something. They don't quite know what the hell is happening. Uh, it's slightly overwhelming. You're putting a lot of responsibility on them to make this fun and to figure things out and to put in the time. And so what we balance that with is the game's not going to kill you, right? Like you're not going to get a game over screen because you screwed up or didn't figure this thing out. Um, the game is going to be generous, right? Like the thing I always forget when, when people tell me that they're obsessively hundred percent in one of my games, I'm always like, Oh dude, you don't have to. Like, I'm like, it's fine. Like be happy with your 86%. This is cool. Cause in my mind, like I hate hundred percent in games where I'm like, Oh, now I'm just like, you know, doing the tedious stuff. And then people remind me, yeah, but in your game, Sam, that missing 14% is all like fresh, unique, stuff that might suddenly give me a whole new insight into it might be a really cool scene that they want to see 
So that's like the thing with my games is like we're going to, it's exciting to have that much freedom, but it can also be a real, like it, it's, it's an ask of the player. So we compensate by going, well, look, this is a very generous game. Like you will constantly be finding new stuff. We're not going to punish you unduly. And so really, if you just get stuck in and follow your curiosity, you are just slowly going to accumulate progress, right? You're going to slowly, this thing will come into focus and then you'll get it. And so similarly, like with that, that moment uh, that occurs in immortality specifically, or, you know, even just generally, I mean, people would be like, well, how do you know people are going to figure the mystery out in her story? How do you know people are going to find this stuff? Um, you know, it is, there is obviously an amount of balancing and algorithmic stuff and testing, but it is a little bit of, of having faith in the player, right? It's, mm. it's, uh, and similarly, like not to constantly harp back to Zelda on a, a Sony podcast. No, 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 but, you're uh, allowed. You're allowed. I remember reading, reading the, uh, I think it's like the, the Edge review of uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah. They said that only 65 hours in did they find the beach town, right? And I'm like, oh, that's such a cool little town. And to them, that was delightful. That like 65 hours in, they're like, oh, damn, there's this whole cool place. And I think that was our thing was, what we cared about was if you get to this moment, if you have this reveal, we want it to be cool. And you'd yeah. be like, what the fuck? Whoa. Do you and... kind of get the sense? Uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. Just a thought that popped in, but like, you kind of get the sense that like, maybe players are kind of wanting to be lost that like, maybe the, you know, triple A games has been a little bit too much handholding and maybe people just want to ask the question of, what is going on? And maybe that's a good thing. Cause like, I think of tears of the kingdom of like pulling out the master sword this year, that was all happenstance. That wasn't something that was like golden path for me. It's something I stumbled on. I'm like, this is a core memory unlocked, you know, playing Baldur's Same gate. This, Baldur's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Baldur's gate th this year. Just like, there are so many times where I'm talking to coworkers who would never even try a game like this. And we're all talking about how we invaded a goblin camp. Uh, do you feel like there's like a yearning from the player base of like, yeah, maybe being confused is a little, is okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, you look at like the outlier that everyone always references, right? It's like Dark Souls and, and, you know, when Dark Souls started, it, it was a, a hardcore thing. And then it's just built and built and built. And like when Elden Ring came out, we would, we were working on immortality. I think at the time, uh, yeah, we were prepping to launch it. Right. Cause we, we were neck and yeah. neck in some of the awards, which was like the craziest thing. Um, and I've seen people play Elden Ring and I was playing it, right? And there's like whole quest chains in that game that are pretty much impossible to figure out unless you're talking to other people and going to FAQs and getting on wikis yeah. and things. And there's just a level in that game of, of effort that you have to make to discover stuff. But it's cool, right? It's like, this is this cool, mysterious, magical place and there's cool shit I can discover. And when you do discover something and it feels like that wasn't just put in your lap, you're like, oh, this is so neat. Like, and it could be a small thing, right? Like it could be an Elden Ring. I just find some cool little nook of the world and there's a mini little dungeon or something. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm just finding it. I feel, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a weird one, right? Because there's, I know that like I've been in presentations where bigger publishers have explained like all their market research showing how much players want to be told what to do. And like, they, they need, they need to have the NPC companion going, have you tried pulling the lever right. next to you? Right. Which, you know, again, not naming any games, but there's games I played recently where I'm like, I'm just 
looking at the graphics. I'm just soaking in the vibe of this room and the NPC's like, there's a lever. I'm like, I saw the lever. I'm good. <laughs> just just Aloy, let me I know, have I my know. time. Have, yes. my, have my moment. Um, yeah, it's, and it's, it's, there's this huge disconnect, right? Because the, the games that have blown up is like Minecraft, right? Minecraft was huge, right? And you see that blow up. And then you see things like Baldur's Gate at the moment. You see Elden Ring and Dark Souls. Uh, and you see just like the the weird stuff kids are creating in Roblox or whatever, just these weird, and, and just the strange things they're getting up to on Twitch where people are just finding really interesting ways to dig deeper into games and stuff. And you're like, there is this whole thing that is also happening in parallel to the, the heavily polished AAA game that is finding ways to smooth off the edges more and more. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely my my predilection and certainly the the player that I want to cultivate is the one that's like, yeah, I'm happy. You know, it's and I don't think it's a I don't, yeah, I don't think it's a niche thing. Like I think that was the thing with with her story when her story blew up was. It was, it was a really good time because it was like phones were happening. So there was a lot of people with phones that wouldn't normally play games. And and you, all people would do is say to their grandparents or to their partners or whoever, like, oh, there's this thing. You should check it out. And they'd be like, what is this? And they'd be like, oh, this woman's being interviewed by the police. Did she murder her husband? They're like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, let me have a go. And they they just get into it, right? Because instantly there's, there's a mystery. And my theory, which would always be projected by publishers, that her story was a real attempt to prove and subsequently all the games have dug into this is if you challenge the player, if you not necessarily put an obstacle in front of them, but if you create that absence of explanation and if the questions they have to ask are interesting enough, that is the most addictive thing in the world. Yeah. Like yeah. To, to, to see that there's a mystery and feel like you have a chance of solving it, but to be intrigued, like that is you know, you, you, you can't beat that. Like, I think that is why I play games. That's why I love games with puzzles and exploration and mysteries in them. Um, so yeah, I feel like we're definitely, it's going to be interesting because yeah, we, we're working on this 3d game at the moment that is, uh, in many ways going, let's, let's take some of these ideas and put them back into the third person character stuff I was doing. Um, and I think like immortality was a, a test to some extent, like we, I mean, literally weeks from before launch, we had no idea how the world was going to receive it. Like, we were right. like this could be Marmite. People might, you know, could be like, I loved her story, but what the hell is this guy on now? And and the thing that I was unsure about was the uh, the the wildness of immortality in that. Right, but with her story, you type in a word and you get results, and there's an element of precision and. and and take your time to go through things and like the fact with immortality that you click something and then the game takes you somewhere yeah. and and it and and there it is possible to be quite intentional within that mechanic and figure out ways of being very specific about steering things but at the same time the point of that mechanic is to surprise you right and one of the things i was really interested in is like we know that rng is cool in a lot of different games right we know that in roguelikes randomness is cool. We know that in a, a Diablo game, randomness is what makes the loot fun, right? If, if, if I wasn't getting random loot, it wouldn't be that interesting. Uh, and I, and, and normally in stories, it's the opposite, right? If, if you're playing a, uh, you know, if you're playing a choice-based game and you make a choice because you think it's going to give you a certain outcome, 
if the game disregards that, it could be annoying. You're like, no, I, I did the good, the moral choice. So I want to be rewarded for that. I want the peasant to remember that I saved his chicken yeah. two, two days ago, whatever. So the theory with immortality was like, we can put some of that liveliness and that slightly unpredictable aspect in there. Cause it was really like, the idea was how do we create a game mechanic that has some of the magic of a cut in movies, right? And the, 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 the magic of a cut is that you can cut from this to a completely different thing. And it creates a connection and you can jump time and space. And it's like one of the superpowers that movies have. Um, and so they're like, can we try and create a mechanic which does that? And that was the thing where I was like, people might not like it having that element of unpredictability of it being slightly chaotic, um, but they did. Uh, they did like it, so I'm like, okay, now let's let's do more with that and, and and work on it. But yeah, I'm I just think there's so much we can do. Um, for me, it's the, the freedom is the thing, but what that freedom means is it allows you to express yourself mm. within it. I think that's expression is the thing. I when I do like little presentations, I'm like. This is the word you're not expecting to hear because these are, you know, static story driven games. It's not like, you know, in Minecraft, I can express myself by building crazy shit. But for me, it's like, no, if I, the, the trick with these games has been like, how can I create a story driven game that is expressive? And the expression in these games is this is what's interesting to me. Oh, no, let me stop and think about that. Oh, I'm really interested in Carl Greenwood. Like, this guy is cool. Let's hear more about him. Oh, I have this theory about the story. I'm going to dig into that pitching your partner on the sofa like this is what the hell's going on in this story and they're like no 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 this is something else right suddenly it becomes a very unique personal experience and like the, the most fun i've had with these games is when we do um when we're testing them at points we didn't with this one because of covid but we'll we'll have like a focus group and there'll be like 20 people in a room all with the screens up and we'll be like start playing and then all kick off and then within 5 10 15 minutes they're all doing different things and they're all going different places with the story. That's awesome. And then after like a couple of hours, we'll break for lunch. And the the the, the cheat to these focus groups is you listen to what everyone's saying over lunch, right? And so you have all these people <laughs> who've never met you before usually, and they're all having lunch. And then you listen to them, like you say, talking about things that other people haven't seen or making connections that different people haven't seen. And suddenly it, it becomes so personal and so interesting. That to me is like, like every video game should be like that. Like, yeah. I love the games where we all have the exact same experience, right? I love the games that are linear and we play them and like, oh, shit, did you do level three last night with the car chase? And everyone's like, yeah, that was amazing. That is totally valid, right? That is fun roller coaster. But I particularly love when you can actually go into a game and, you know, and like you say, this year, like Tears of the Kingdom, Baldur's Gate really spoke to that where everyone okay. was like, coming with their own stories, having their fun little gifts of what they've done. Yeah, my, uh, both my kids are playing Baldur's Gate and, and like, I know one of the actors is in it. And I was like, oh, you're going to love this character. Like you're going to, this is going to be your favorite character. And then they got to them and because they'd like killed a bunch of druids or done something. They get to this <laughs> character and the only dialogue, literally the only dialogue from this character is them saying, fuck off. <laughs> and they can't recruit them or do anything. And so then they've gone off and they've, and then they've seen yeah. like whole, they were telling, they're like, oh, have you met the fish people? And I was like, fish people? What the fuck are the fish people? They're like, there's, there's tons of fish people. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's, yeah, I think like for me, like if it's interactive, if it's supposed to be personal and expressive, 
like those are the kinds of experiences which really speak for me. Yeah. I, I, I just want to, I can't not let you leave without me asking this question of how lucky are you to have uh man on gauge as Marissa Marcel in your game? I just, the second, like I heard all these things about immortality before I played it. I heard how amazing her performance is, and then finally experiencing it just kind of like blown away. Yeah. Is, is like, and, and a follow-up to that really is like how, what goes into casting a Sam Barlow game? Like how, because to me, me seeing incredible people perform, to me, everyone's good. Yeah. So how, how do you how do you focus it in? Like, obviously, Manon's got it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because you you get to the end of it and you're too busy working to take too much in, and you get to the end, and then suddenly you're like, oh wow, I dodged a bullet. Like, if we hadn't had someone, if we hadn't had Manon, this might not have worked, right? I had the same thing with her story. I. I'd, I'd worked previously with Viva and I'd written this thing and then I got to the point where I was like, oh shit, I have to cast this and it's 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 a one woman thing and if the one woman is not good, this whole game's broke. It's like, oh my God, then I remembered Viva. Um, but yeah, with, with Manon, but I, I think there is an element that, that where the process does help because... Uh, you know, so we, we we have these great casting directors we work with and, you know, step one is you go out to people and they go to agents and stuff and they say, oh, hey, we're casting for the lead role in this video game. And at that point, some agents are like, mm, not interested in video games, right? So you eliminate those actors. And then you get other actors, oh, no, I really want to make a video game, right? Like, I'm a huge gamer, I want to make video games, or the agent is, like, savvy enough that this is an interesting thing they should be doing. And then I usually would, would meet with them, and I'd pitch them, like, what is the project, and we'd talk through it in a casting session. Um, and that's the point where the actors realize what is up with the Sambalo game, right? Where they're like, this, I'm not going to be running around in a mocap suit shooting aliens. Yeah. This is 500 pages of five layers deep narrative, and when we talk through, like, this is how we're going to film it. And often the way we film these things, it's long takes, right? It's, uh, it's, it's long immersive takes. There's all these layers of what's happening in the subtext. So there are some actors who hear that and they're like, whoa, I'm going to be shooting, like, 10-minute scenes with all this complexity and you're going to give me 500 pages to learn. Like, that's too much for me. But then the actors who hear that and are like, I'm in, like, then already you've kind of narrowed the field down to people who have brains that work like mine, who are getting really kind of obsessive about this thing. Uh, and then we'll do more like face-to-face -face meetings. And I'm, I'm usually heavily, obviously the, the reads they do and their other work and stuff is, is useful, but usually it's a vibes thing. It's like, mm -hmm. am I going to be able to spend 50 days working with this person? Are we already having a fun chat? about things uh, like, you know, sometimes you'll meet actors and uh, 30 minutes into the casting that you're already just chatting about some real deep aspect of the story or the character or something, or they're already taking notes like, oh, what was that reference? I want to go and read up on this with them. <laughs> so that definitely helps, right? Um, so yeah, you find, and like with Manon, it was a real interesting one because, you know, from the get-go, 
in, in before we even started writing this project, it was like, oh, it's, you know, uh, it's a story about a film star across all these time periods who was supposed to be a great film star and something weird happened. And so already you're like, okay, this person's going to be quite important. Like, this is quite a demanding role. Who can fill this role? Right? Um, and then when we got to the point where it was written and we were talking to the casting directors, it was like, well, there's two aspects to this character. One, we, we want to get across the fact that she's a young actress and she's fresh-faced at the start of the story and she has this naivety. But at the end of the day, she's going to have to be convincing in all three of these roles and play these other layers of the story and do this other stuff, right? So it's a real ask, like, trying to combine that. And so we spoke to, I think, like, our shortlist. By the end, we had someone that had a lot more experience of, of movies and things. And it gets hard as well, because when you get to that kind of age range, when you're, like, looking at a younger actor, you either get people that are relatively inexperienced but, you know, obviously extremely committed and, and might have some incredible talent and work under the belt already. And then you get, like, the child actors who've, who've actually been doing this for, like, 10 years already and are now looking to graduate to, to more grown-up roles and stuff. And, um, and so we were really trying to balance between it. I think then it just came down to, like, a personality thing and, like, a vibe thing um, with Marilyn because I think she had done... We did like for the auditions, we had them do each of the three movies. We did like a scene from each of the three movies. And then there was one like behind the scenes kind of random piece. And there were definitely, like we definitely spoke to people where they're like, this person would be incredible in movie three. Like if we were making movie three just as a movie, oh yeah, they would be great for this. Oh, this person is perfect for this role. But it was like, how do we get someone that can do all three? And uh, yeah, Manon was great. But yeah, it's... It's definitely the trick to casting a Sam Barlow game is there are certain actors who love the idea of a Sam Barlow game. And that, and that <laughs> luckily is the best that, you know, there's, there's actors who are like, I love theater. I love getting that deep into a role, going out on stage and there being no safety net and just being present as a character for 60 minutes. And I go, you know, don't get to do that. If you do a movie, I worked with this one actor who's, who's, uh, pretty successful and they'd just come off a movie and they said uh i just shot a movie and it felt like i was in a video game like the director was like stand here turn to the left 20 degrees look up move on, on to the next shot right and, and it was completely controlled like that and then they were like now i'm filming this video game that feels like the purest theater right where you're closing the door and for 20 minutes i'm just present as a character in this scene um so yeah and then you know so those are the people i love where you can get into really deep conversations around the character and their motivations. And it's, it's essential to the game, right? Like if the game is, uh, you know, in all of these games, if the game is look at this person's face, what's really going on beneath yeah. what they're saying, figure out, you know, there's so much cool stuff in these games where it's like something happened 10 minutes before this scene, st before we're, what we're seeing or something's about to happen off camera and you're never going to see that. Right. Yeah but you're going to figure it out and it's going to be in your imagination and that's cool. But to hint at that thing, it all comes down to the actor, right? If the, if the actor's not putting that out, it doesn't exist. So yeah. Um, yeah. It's a fun part. Do you, yeah. do you have time for one more question, Sam? Oh yeah. Go for it. Excellent. Excellent. I, just really quickly. I want to ask, uh, do you have a favorite of the three movies in immortality or like time period? Like what was the one you were so excited you were finally 
able to do? I think it changed from moment yeah. to moment. What I will say is, uh, this is where we get very deep. <laughs> um, so it was only during the shooting and making of it and talking it through with, with Manon where we were like, it became clear that like, oh, Marissa was happiest in the middle period. She was happiest in New York in the 70s. And I think that was partly because I was like, I'm really into the idea of New York in the 70s. And it was like we had like thematically, there was like this question we were asking of um, uh, how do how do people deal with mortality, right, as, as human beings? And like one of the answers was religion. It was like, you know, this idea that there is something after and that in this life we can access it through ritual or prayer, but it's this abstracted idea. Um, and then one of the answers was like, well, we can create things that live beyond us, right? whether that's having children or it's writing a great novel or creating a movie or whatever. And then the middle answer, uh, which the, the 70s spoke to the most, was like, one solution is to just live in the moment, is to just be happy and free and be present in the moment. And there was something about the vibe of the new cinema in the 70s of New York and you had... Warhol in the crowd and like the way that gender and sexuality was being kind of explored and shifted uh, just seemed like a really fun time. And all the research we were doing into that period, it was like, oh man, this is really cool to hang out at some of these parties. Um, so definitely that was, that was my period, but I bounced all around like uh, mm. the, the three movies. I mean, I can uh, see why they're all fantastic. So I, yeah. I can see why it's a tough choice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that said, I know we're running out of time, Sam. I want to thank you so much for coming aboard, talking shop with us. Um, you know, tell everybody where they can find Immortality when it comes out and all that good stuff. Yeah, it's out on the 23rd, and you can go play it on a PlayStation 5. It's a... This is the one where, like, when we came out and it was Xbox at launch, there were a bunch of people that said to me, like, dude, you messed up. This should be on PlayStation. That's where, like, all the people that love these kind of cinematic, dark story games live. And we're like, I know, but, you know, Phil Spencer has big pockets. <laughs> because... <laughs> I, was gonna, I, I, want, I didn't want to bring that up, but, like, yeah, I bet, like, Game Pass definitely helped. I mean, you don't have to worry about, you know, you know, money coming in and you have this audience that is so. It was, know. it's, it was really weird. Cause uh, like, I think game pass was, it was becoming a bigger thing at that time as well. But like a lot of the initial discussion of the game was, Oh, this is a game pass game. This is a great game pass game. And in some cases that was a really cool thing. Cause it was like, Hey, you can check this thing out. It's easy to get hold of. In some cases, it was like a pejorative of like, mm. this is a game you wouldn't want to spend money on. But it's on Game Pass, so give it a try, right? And, and, you know, anecdotally, if you have a game that's a bit more interesting or left field, it can help if it's up there. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, definitely everyone was being like, oh, wait till you get it on PlayStation because you're going to have a, a, an audience that is, is really going to buy it. Um, and I love, yeah, love playing it on my big TV, getting cinematic, sitting on the couch. It's such a good game to play with someone. Mm -hmm. um, like all of my games... Like I, I've tried to play co-op games sometimes with my partner and it's always hard because usually there's, there's someone in charge or there's, there's some, you know, you're the healer or whatever, or you're the, you're doing the less fun bit. 
uh, or and if you're just watching someone play a normal game, right? If someone's watching me play, uh, I don't know, Last of Us, or whatever, it's like, oh, you guys do all the fun stuff. You're controlling the character. I'm just sat here. And the beauty with with these games is like so much of the interactivity is talking about it, figuring stuff out, like just riffing on it, what the hell's going on, pointing stuff out. The the person sat on the couch with you can be like massively involved. And like I have so many stories that people have told me where they were like, my partner solved her story way before I did. Like my partner was sat there being like, oh, dude, listen to what she said there. That's important. They're like, no, 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 no. That's not important. That's nothing. And then an hour later being like, oh damn. Um, so yeah, that, yeah, it's a really fun thing. Like I say, it's, it's a generous game, super creepy. Um, that's like some of the best feedback I've had is just how much it creeps people out. Oh yeah. For, like, <laughs> Which, oh, yeah, the, yeah. The, just the initial, I'm like, something ain't right here. <laughs> there's a, there's an emptiness to these reels. Which is, it, it was so rewarding because I know that like our original internal one pager was sort of describing the game and the vision for it. And, it. and it had this bit at the end that talked about the type of horror we wanted to hit of like the weirdness, the unease, the something ain't right, then the the kind of the realization. Uh, and then just so many people telling me about their experience with the game were essentially parroting back this description we had of like, this, awesome. is, this is how it you know it happened to me and stuff. Um, so yeah, no, super excited to see, see people play it on PlayStation. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Sam, thank you so much for your time. And uh, with that, let's get back to the show. Ooh-wee, Kyle. What an amazing interview that was, man. It's great. What an amazing I learned a lot. Yep. It is intimidating how smart some people are. Oh, my God. And, and just how focused they are and how much they understand their craft. Yep. Yep. And Sam gets it. He gets it, man. Sam. That's awesome. Yeah. When he when he was just like think of immortality as a Metroidvania, I was like, and that's when it's it. you know, embrace being lost. Yeah. I'm like, all right. And that really Got did it. help me. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, so yeah. I'm doing it right. This is nice. And yeah, yeah. awesome. Great guy, great human being. Uh thank you all so, so much for the opportunities. Without you guys, stuff like that don't Absolutely. happen. Absolutely. All right. Kyle, are you holding on to something? I am, and you're right, Yuna and chat. Joe did give all of you watching live the middle finger. That's right. That audio listeners won't understand, but he maybe, sure did. Maybe because I love him more. Prepare the drop. Here are the latest steals and deals coming to the PlayStation storefront. All right. I'm, I'm going to ditch PS4. At this point, you guys need to own a PS5. I'm just going to say it. All right. Here are all the PS5 games coming. Howl, January 23rd. Immortality, January 23rd. Little Guardsman, January 23rd. Run or Die, VR, 20, sorry, January 23rd. First off, if I'm running, guess what? I'm dying shortly afterwards. Saga of the Moon Priestess on January 24th. Under Night in Birth 2, Sisseless, January 24th. Nailed it. Dead Man's Diary, January 25th. The Devil. Inside of us, roots of evil. January 25th, Hidden Through Time 2, Myth and Magic. Twenty, uh, Sorry, January 25th, Jet Rider, January 25th, Puzzle Pet, Feed Your Cat, on January 25th, Tohal, Luna Nights, on January 25th, The Adventures, the Adventures of Panzer Legacy Collection, January 26th, that's not Panzer Dragoon and stuff, is it? I mean, take take a check. 
Extreme Off-Road Racing on January 26th. Grotto on January 26th. Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth on January 26th. Tardy on January 26th. Tekken 8, January 26th. Witch Rise on January 26th. Those are all the games coming. Make sure you grab Immortality. Uh, it is not games. the same Panzer. Fair enough. All right, Kyle. Last, and, last but not leastly, our favorite segment of the show. It's time for the Sony Pony Express. Take it away, Kyle. Ace Insane writes in, Hey guys, question for the Sony Pony Express. Yeehaw! What do you think is the most yeah. iconic video game weapon belonging to a PlayStation exclusive game or series? Mm. I often hear people give answers like the Master Sword from the Zelda series or the Lancer from the Gears series. Okay. But what is the most iconic that you can only find on PlayStation? Much love to both of you. Well, that is a great question that, that you can find one. our top five PlayStation weapons each. on our, each on Patreon.com slash P.S. Room top tier, and I whoop Kyle's butt. But spoiler, one of them is Nathan Drake's fists. <laughs> and I'm so mad he stole that from me. <laughs> Those knuckles have seen a lot of death, you know? He's not wrong, y'all. Um, <laughs> He's not wrong. But the not creative answer, I think, is the Blades of Chaos. I See, I'm with Nerd Chat in, in chat. So, I think Buster Sword. Buster Sword. Okay. Buster Sword's iconic. It's pretty damn iconic. It's pretty damn yeah. iconic. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that. Um, also, shout out the Lancer from Gears um, and sure. Gears of War being a series that I admire. Cliffy B being a director that I admire. And our yep. good friend Luke Lore over at the Xbox Expansion Pass got to interview the legend that is Cliffy B. And it would have just mm -hmm. been really exciting since, you know, we're very close friends. He would say best friend. I would say that. That's crazy talk. Um, but, like, a good friend would go to another friend. Hey, I'm interviewing someone that you look up to. Maybe you want to throw in a question. Yeah. And go. And I go, oh, wow, that's what a good friend would do. Yeah, I would like yeah. a question. If you could fit it in, that's fine. That's what she said. But, like, it's fine. Who? Uh-huh. Yeah. That's what a good friend would do. A good friend wouldn't get Absolutely. so anxious about the opportunity maybe leaving. And so he doesn't then ask a question or tell said friend. You know, that's all I'm saying. Makes me, makes me a little less uh, sad that I sleep with his mother every week. Gettleberry writes in, hey guys, hope you're both well. It's very windy here in the UK. Perfect for staying in and playing Kyle, video if you games got to ask Neil a question, Neil Druckmann, you, you would let me know, right? You'd be like, hey, I'm interviewing Neil. So if I'm interviewing Neil... Yes, I would. I would let everybody know. Even if you're afraid of jinxing it, because the power of jinxes are actually real. Yeah, no, you know, absolutely. That's what, Get your question. That's in. what Luke, Luke believes. Jinxes are real. Oh. Is that is? Listen, this is a thirty-something, forty-something-year-old man, and he believes jinxes are real, like a sixth grader. I also, I, the saying of like when I win, we all win. Yeah. That is not just a saying. Yeah. I lived that life. Yeah. So if I had an opportunity, I'm going to try to get somebody to uh, or try to bring my friends along in whatever right? capacity I yeah. possibly can. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I double dog uh, dare Luke Lore to be a good friend next time. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> I we'll double see. dog dared him. You know, who, 
You know who's pretty a uh, good friend over in the UK? Ghetto Berry. Yeah. Hey guys, hope you're both well. It's very good to hear in the UK. Perfect for staying in and playing video games, or for me, Tekken Eight. I am so hyped for Tekken Eight, playing my favorites Zhao Yu pronounce show you thank you for putting that in there but <laughs> show rhymes with cow Shh, what hold on cow you cow you okay ghetto berry i'm sorry everyone else i'm very sorry and june is now back in the mix i love all things tekken i'm shall you figurines shall you sure okay okay um uh, i'm collecting the figurines yeah also shall cow nailed it Oh, fair. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I'm collecting figurines, and I'm also occasionally chucking unloved family members off a cliff, like father, son, Hiachi, and Kazuya. Then there's Street Fighter Cross Tekken. It's a crossover made in heaven. I think the Tekken Cross Street Fighter game is canceled, but I can dream. My question this week is what two game franchises would franchises would make a great crossover that you would love to see mm. be it a match made in heaven or unlikely duo and what are your favorite crossovers the ape escape crossing over middle gear solid 3 was a hoot as always love you guys and take care here's a good one here's a good one you ready for this oh boy i'm pr- i'm prepping for a joke ratchet and clank okay x astrobot yeah instead of clank it's a little astro yeah you're not wrong that'd be cute yeah. You know, that's a nice little, like, you get the platform in both worlds. Ma- sure. Maybe Ratchet is in a level and it's PSVR 2. Ooh. Huh? Come on. I like that. I like Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm going on the sim. I'm going to use Astrobot as well because I do love that idea. Uh, give me Resident Evil 4 cross Astrobot. Yes. Or instead of Ashley, it's Leon and Astrobot. Let's do it, dude. <laughs> Which, can you believe the the... Can we just talk about this for a second? The who would win in a fight, Joel versus Leon Kennedy, that we saw on Twitter. I forget who posted it. Like, I didn't see that. They said who would win in a fight, Joel from yeah. The Last of Us versus Leon Kennedy. It's not okay. who wins in a fight. It's how fast does Leon kill Joel? <laughs> you know? No, because I think I'm on the Joel side. Kyle, Leon Kennedy did a backflip in a barn just because he could have just promptly moved away from the chainsaw. He did a backflip. Uh-huh. That okay. guy's got that guy's got knees for days. Joel. Talk about knees. Joel can stay crouched and go crouched throughout an entire city. Not get tired at all. Kidding me right now. <laughs> He's got quads Leon Kennedy and hamstrings fought a mecca, mecca, uh, you know, little French dude. Okay. Napoleon. Okay. He fought a mecha. Sure. sure. He fought a green beret guy with a yeah. knife in an elevator moving. Joel has taken on have you forgotten the, the and bloaters. And, have you forgotten the, the, the terrifying like nail guy? What is it called? The Valkyries or whatever? Remember those? What? Iron Maidens? Oh, Iron Maidens are terrifying. Yeah. I get it. Bloaters are something, but like he's fighting it. He fought a giant, like, crab monster. Kyle. So what? Joel's got that that uh, street smarts kind of strength, you know? They're both, first off, they're both dads. <laughs> you know? Is Leon a dad? The the amount of dad jokes, one would assume he has a kid he doesn't at least know about. Uh, he fought the occult. Are you eh. kidding? Chainsaw guy? 
Chainsaw Guy and Bloater are like same caliber. Are you kidding me? He's a giant oak mountain ogre, and he got to team up with a, a a wolf boy, a wolf, a little wolf. He's the best boy. Joe, but at every turn, Leon has help from the merchant. Joel's on his own. He's he's scavenging. Leon can go and save up money and buy a rocket launcher that one hits enemies. You're you're not. What are we man. talking about you're, here? This is like the how much prep time does Batman have? Are you are you really? <laughs> yeah. Again, street smarts in a fight, I think, goes a long the way. Animation when when Joel gets out of prone, it's like oh my back, my knees, my crack. And Leon just, again, flips, quick dodges, quick turns. He's got, he's got the, he, first off, age, all right, uh-huh. younger, more more uh-huh. buff, he's in his prime. Joel's like turning 60, okay? Okay. Okay, I could push my father. He's not going to get up. You know what I'm saying? You want me to test this theory right now? I'll push Jesus my father. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he's going to be like, oh, what? Shit. You kidding me? You just damned yourself. If I I wake up tomorrow in the morning and look at the newspaper, like a local New Jersey man pushed by son. I can't believe you right now. You're being ridiculous. I'm being ridiculous. <laughs> Again, it's the street smarts, man. Street smarts. What does that mean? This guy Leon is CIA was a trained. That just... Oh my god. So what? <laughs> so what are you i'm not joking i think joel would make it a good fight stop making a good fight dude he 1000 percent is wow another iconic weapon joel has bricks and bottles one throw against the head is all he can do to stun him and then it's over bricks bottles versus like an apache helicopter you're telling me like you can't you can't bring in helicopters into this fight? Was he having a summon? Yeah. What are we talking about? He here? has an Ap- no. Apache helicopter at the end. He, Absolutely not. Oh my god, you're you're insane. I, you're just telling me street smarts is like akin to Team Six training. In the Last of Us universe, one million percent it is. All right. Continue with this. One million percent. Continue with this. <laughs> I can't. Continue. You're so wrong. Green Girl Gamer <laughs> writes, Sup, boys? So not only did I get a PSVR 2 on the day that I finished the show, weird, LOL, I also achieved something huge. I don't know if you all remember, but one year ago tomorrow, I told you guys that I got my friend to sit down and play The Last of Us Part 1 after watching the first episode of the show, and he loved it. He said he was going to get a PS5. Well, on Monday of this week, we went out and got him one. Yes, hey. look at that. I owed him money for an SSD he helped me get from Black Friday, and he's going to school for 10 weeks, so I loaned him the rest. He used to be an Xbox guy, okay. made the switch to PC, Season even though nine. he'll always be a PC guy now. He has a PS5. Mm-hmm. We've known each other for about seven years now. I'll be console sharing my hundreds of games to give him a head start into basically anything he wants. But what would you guys be most excited to play with a friend if they got your console after years, like your personal picks? I'm also looking for game recommendations we both love, or game recommendations. We both love Destiny 1 and can finally play it together. Deep Rock Galactic is legendary. Rock and Stone. And Borderlands would be a blast and a half. 
but I'm sure I'm missing a lot. Love you guys. Thanks for making my week, if not my month. Yeah. Joe, we've got to play some Fortnite, brother. This Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard. Let's do it. That goes for anybody. I'll be in the Discord chat. We'll be playing Fortnite. I would need Solid Snake. So, yeah, it's okay. happening. It's happening. Okay. Um. Okay. So, something similar happened with one of my one of my friends her husband got a ps5 for the first time he's a pc guy the first thing he dived into was demon souls and bloodborne so i would say first and foremost it depends on how hardcore of a pc nut he is um those two games are an easy recommendation second if you heard that burp my apologies i got battery acid reflux it's hitting me all right, it was a real weird noise that came out of the throat. Now, very no wonder the bad takes are coming out of you. You're over here drinking I'm not, battery acid. I'm not, not going to talk to him right now, guys. I'm talking to you, Green Gorilla. I'm talking to you. Nonsense. You know it. You know it, and I know it. Um, Absolutely not. All right. Anyway, um... the man was impaled on a rod of steel and came back. Continue. <laughs> So one was infected with the virus and was dying Ooh. and still kicked all Ooh. the all right. And and like can't even with you right now, man. Alright. Uh so those two games, of course. But for the PlayStation experience for your friend, um, I would actually say Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima's gonna gonna bring him there. When it comes to other like Oh, games I could play with him. I feel like most of those are multi-platform, and you can you could play with them. Yeah, cross-play with them. I'm drawing a blank on those myself. Yeah. Um, uniquely PlayStation. Yeah, I think uh, Ghost is a great one. Already in the Last of Us camp. Um, I think right next to that is Uncharted. Oh yeah. If if, if he's never played an Uncharted game, get that um, Legacy Collection and. Uh, is that what it's called, right? Legacy yeah. Collector? And I would say... Um, just have a good time. Even there, have them start at two. Because one is still sure. janky. Sure, one's a little... Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I started with Uncharted 2, and that felt, made me fall in love with all of it. So, yeah. yeah. And, like, again, God of War 2018 is also a great start. Yeah. It'd be like, here, this is the type of stuff that PlayStation... Is known for. ...does. Yeah. And uh, just another IP that means a whole lot to us here, Horizon. Horizon's great. All right, Kyle. Last uh, question of the list, sir. Dewani Raksha writes in, Gentlemen, I think it's time the classic, quote, a delayed game is eventually good, oh but a rush game is forever bad, end quote, needs a refresh. A bad game released can eventually be good, but a bad game delayed repeatedly then released can't escape its bad game label. I'm still keen to try Skull and Bones and Suicide Squad, but I feel they can never escape their bad game labels, even though most people haven't actually played either game. Yeah. I think this impacted the last Halo game, too. I'm sure there are more examples I can't come up with off the top of my head. Uh, conversely, I think that games which get released rough can now earn a rep as good games. Mm. Everyone loves the underdog overcoming adversary adversity story of no man's sky what do you think would these games be better if they had simply launched with what they were and let development and iteration happen with the games in people's hands man man that's a... i like that new label a whole lot though yeah i don't know kyle what do you think um i can see the merit 
to just releasing it and then fixing it over time, but I also know how much of an impact releasing a buggy game mm-hmm. at launch impacts the longevity of it and and why we see so many devs rush to fix these things as soon as they can so like when people get paid they can buy it within the certain time frame or else it's just out of their window of possibility of something to be played like example of mine which i love at launch it got a bad reputation not as bad as i think um no man's, no man's sky. sky but there's so many people who stopped playing control because of how poorly it ran on console Fair. and control is an all-timer and it had that label of like, oh, it's not going to run well. Even when it came to PS, the PS5 version, they're like, it's probably not going to run well there, or or let's hope it runs well. And and people, I don't think, really dove into it still. Right. Um, but that that bad game label definitely follows an IP, a game around, and it's kind of tough. First impressions are everything, man. I think Suicide Squad is proving that because like. You know, you you show a game once and it's either applause or like pitchforks. There's no, there's no in between. And for games like No Man's Sky, and I even think like Halo Infinite's a really great example. Like No Man's Sky came out glitchy and bugged, and it got its redemption story over time. We didn't get to, he- we didn't hear much about it, but there that community grew. Right. Same with Halo Infinite. It's not that it, it it was buggy. It's a great game. And I'm going to go to bat for Halo Infinite. It's the best Halo multiplayer you could get uh, ever. Like, it's phenomenal. Right. Story's overrated. But <laughs> Eshram, really? That's the villain's name? Okay. Uh, but, like, that game, it, it, it was a content problem. Now that they have content there and they're not trying to chase the battle pass metric and they're just doing their own thing and they have the master chief collection team working on the dlc that game's gonna that that game's already rebounding and resurging and beloved um so i think you could change a label you're just not gonna get the redemption you wanted i know when you talk to a lot of devs they sometimes get jaded over that label of like yeah they just didn't get it or you know yeah, we had problems that launched, but it was always kind of overblown. I, I think a great example of this is like uh, Fnatic right now with the, the the day before game where they kind of try to blame bloggers uh, for the pitchforks that they got for that game. That's yeah. the extreme version of that. But like I hear yeah. devs come out going, no, man, it's not what this game was about. Come on. Um, all the time. So I, I think, yeah, you're never going to get the label totally off. And I don't think you're going to get the redemption that you want, but I think those games could succeed without the the narrative that we're used, you know, that that is set before it by, I would say, like the mainstream outlet or, or yeah. consciousness, rather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, for example, I have faith in Suicide Squad. I hope it's really yep. great, but it can't shake the fact that it is a looter shooter. It is a games of service mm-hmm. game, no matter how much you're trying to re- mm-hmm. rephrase it. Um, and people, the general, general, you know, consciousness of it is like people are tired of that. They're tired of the trend chasing. They wanted something that is not, you know, this. And whether that yeah. is what I think is 
pigeonholing a team into making a mm-hmm. Arkham game. I do believe with the sentiment of like, it's more than that. I want to see something truly original out of this team. I bet the devs feel differently about that. So I don't know. Sure. It's a very complicated issue that I talked too yeah. much about. I, I, I think a lot of these, you know, I talked the in circles about. bad game kind of label just off the jump without having played it, I think is something that is just a giant hurdle from all games yeah. without playing it. Cause I think of a, a game recently that is, I think in our community heard a lot of people speak highly of it is Forspoken. Right. You hear, you hear about Forspoken after not even playing it. And, and then the demo comes out and people are like, oh, you know what? Actually, this is sort of fun. And then the full game release and people, you know, I, I, I distinctly remember, I think Jedi Master Ren's like, no, this is a great game. I don't yeah. understand why everyone is so is bashing it. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Murray and Sid writes in chat, currently playing Control for the first time. And let us know how you, you like it. Because most of the time yes. we're yeah. having the conversation. We know this, but like people jumping in yeah. to Control right now aren't or don't know are sure. totally unaware yep. of how it launched. And I think that's another thing that, that goes about it too, is like, you know, someone playing the latest expansion of No Man's Sky uh, probably didn't play it at launch or now can uh, appreciate it more if they have. Uh, you know, Halo Infinite, yeah. you know, grabbing new new players. Like, there are people playing Halo for the first time. They have no idea about the content drop that was the first year or two, right? Uh, mm-hmm. So like, yeah, Skull and Bones and Suicide Squad, I think they have the misfortune of being shown so much and not enough people going oh wow <laughs> uh and yeah. and having like a, a tough development for the for the skull and bones crowd but like yeah i i think a bad game yeah that that label that 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 could be a podcast in itself that's a very yeah conceptual question you know mm-hmm. so yeah i appreciate it great one great one absolutely that said guys that has been the trophy room this week i hope you enjoyed what you heard here please rate us five stars on over on apple Podcasts and spotify it really does help us out and when we hear and see nice things it really does do a whole bunch for us here um it really does fuel us in, in you know emotionally and you know support us on patreon patreon.com slash ps room it's the reason why i'm able to go to pax is because of your generosity over at patreon.com slash ps room it's the only reason why these lights work right here right now why kyle's mic works 95 percent of the time i'm gonna fix that cable you just gotta tell me the length and not yell at me that said, Kyle, is there anything you'd like to spotlight before we get on out of here? I would like to spotlight how Joe gaslights me every week to make me out like I'm the bad guy and I'm fucking tired of it <laughs> right here, right now. Anyways, you can find me at Mr. K Step pretty much everywhere. All the indie game coverage I do over at 6 1 Indie. Uh, I just love the shock in your eyes. You're like, you, you son of a gun. Oh, yeah, yeah. The indie game uh, showcase that we're putting on over there is coming on March 20th. We're close. Uh, working on the script now. It's crazy. Uh, can't believe it's, we're doing a fourth one. That's nuts. Um, and IndieCast is our weekly uh, indie game podcast that we do. Um, so go check it out. We record that live on our YouTube channel on Thursday night. So come check. Oh, actually, I lied. That's that's behind patreon if you want to watch live but it goes live on the youtube channel um so yeah go follow all that jazz and uh tell some devs you love them yeah absolutely in times like these if you roll credits on a game shout out the people that that 
the the things that stood out to you shout out the people behind those things seriously animation voice work whatever it is man a little a little little words of kindness go a really long way we talked about showing people grace uh you know this this episode show people some grace tell them how thankful you are they're making the things that you love the things that you consume and the games we play so with all that said with all that out of the way everybody keep your wits about you keep hunting and keep playing playstation see y'all love y'all